شهد الله أنه لا إله إلا هو والملائكة والملائكة وأولو العلم قائما بالقسط لا إله إلا هو العزيز الحكيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا أما بعد First and foremost welcome everybody to uh, this class where we will inshallah ta'ala go through these 29 lines of poetry on etiquettes and manners Does everyone have a uh, a copy of the uh, manzoma that we're going through today? Does everyone have one? Jameel Inshallah, the intention is to go through all of it today. And I really hope that we finish it. Sometimes I tend to um, maybe sometimes go on a little bit of a tangent. Um, but inshallah ta'ala, we'll finish it. Bi-idhnillahi ta'ala. Barakallahu feekum. And what I plan also, inshallah, for every hour, for every hour, uh, we'll take a 10-minute uh, break. Is that okay? Or is that too much? Huh? Khalas, we'll take a five-minute break. Alaykum salam. We'll take a five-minute break for every hour. Okay? And uh, we'll break again for Maghrib. And then inshallah ta'ala, we'll finish at 10. Is it okay? Inshallah, I'm going to read the first page. And then... Uh, our brother, uh, as I'm going through it, inshallah ta'ala, he's going to read it a little, uh, or bit by bit. So this manduma has been authored by one of our mashayikh in the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's masjid. His name is Shaykh Amir Bahjat. And he has called it manduma to ahsan al-akhlaq. The poetry which covers the best of etiquettes. The poetry that covers the best of etiquettes. And you find here that the Shaykh has brought 82 traits and qualities. 82 traits, 82 qualities that inshallah you guys can take home after today's class. So he, may Allah Azza wa Jal preserve him, he says, Alhamdulillahi alladhi qad wahaba ibadahu al-muqarrabin al-adaba thumma as-salatu bis-salami taltaqi ala nabiyyina azim al-khuluqi وبعدها كأحسن الأخلاق يرقى بها صاحبها المراقي فأولا راعي مع الله الأدب بترك الإثم وبفعل ما وجب وحسن ظن وتوكل رجاء حب وتوحيد ومن خاف نجا وقر نبيه وعظم سنته قدم على, قدم على كل الورى محبته وبر والديك ولتطعهما تفز وصل أيابني الرحمة بجل كبيرا وارحم الصغيرا وساعد الضعيف والفقيرا وكن شجاعا صابرا كريما وشاكرا وفطنا حليما وذا أنات وحياء وارفقي وكن أمينا وتواضع واصدقي تحل بالعدل وبالإحسان والعفو والوفاء والإتقان صن اللسان واحفظ الجوارح 
أحب كل مسلم كنا صحاء تقبل النصح من الثقات وكن محافظا على الصلاة ووقتك اشغله بالانتفاع والمال والمال فاحفظه عن الضياع بهمة تعلم المفيدة وطالع الكتبة المزيدة الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا أما بعد As we mentioned this is a manzoma this is a poetry that covers the best of etiquettes and inshallah we're going to go straight into it uh, it's not going to be as explanatory as I would like because of the timings that we have so inshallah ta'ala is going to be mukhtasar is going to be concise and short so we can try and cover as much as we can bi idnillahi ta'ala so the shaykh may Allah azza wa have uh, mercy upon him and also preserve him earlier I mentioned that the shaykh is uh, one of our teachers in the Prophet sallallahu masjid but I mentioned now may Allah have mercy upon him is the shaykh alive is he dead? Huh? He's alive. Tayyib, do you not only say Rahimahullah to someone who's passed away? Huh? What does Rahimahullah mean? May Allah Azza wa have mercy upon him, right? So even if he's alive, for us to make dua that Allah Azza wa has mercy upon someone, isn't that something that is huh? praiseworthy? Naam. I remember one of my Arabic teachers said, Hadha min akhta'il this is from the common mistakes of the Amma to think that you only say Rahimahullah to someone who has passed away, right? Uh, the moment you say Rahimahullah to someone who's alive, the Amma to they look at you, oh, the guy still is alive, you see? But in reality, it's a dua, and everyone needs the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Sometimes we find ourselves in difficulties and we cry out for the mercy of Allah Azza wa Jalla to take us out of these difficulties that we are suffering from. جميل. So he says, الحمد لله الذي قد وهب عباده المقربين الأدب. If we translate this literally, this first line of poetry means all praise to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, the one who has gifted his close servants with what, with good etiquettes and manners. Okay. الحمد لله. If you open up the translation of the Quran, okay, they translate الحمد لله رب العالمين as what. All praise to Allah Azza wa Jalla, the Lord of the worlds, right? But let me tell you guys, the English language sometimes doesn't give the Arabic language justice. It doesn't. Maybe one word in the Arabic language, you require what? A whole sentence. For example, now we stand over the term hamd. What does hamd mean? It means, وَصْفُ الْمَحْمُودِ بِالْكَمَالِ مَعَ مَحَبَّةٍ وَتَعْظِيمٍ وصف المحمود بالكمال مع محبة وتعظيم. It's a bit more profound and deeper in meaning than just saying what? Oh, praise to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, وصف المحمود بالكمال مع محبة وتعظيم. What does that actually mean? It is to attribute completeness to the one who is deserving of all praise coupled with love and glorification. This is what Alhamd means. Coupled with what? Love and glorification. To attribute completeness to the one who is deserving of all praise, coupled with love and also glorification. Okay? So it doesn't just mean to praise. 
I might praise a certain individual. I might praise my colleague. I might praise someone that I personally know. Or someone who has passed away. However, this is in the Arabic language referred to as Madh. And there's a difference between Madh and Hamd. Okay, not every type of praise is befitting for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And by me going through this, we're actually learning the first ayah that we recite every single time in our salah. Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen. All we think is what? All praise to Allah Azza wa Jal. It's absolutely much more profound than that. It's not just praising. But rather it has to be what? Coupled with love and also glorification. Let me ask you guys a question. Back in the day, they used to have shu'ara. They used to have poetry competitions. Today they have uh, diss track competitions, right? Huh? But they diss one another, alayhi kadalik. Sah? And they also have what? Uh, what do they call these, uh, these things that people go on? These shows and then they act it out and then it's a competition. What's it called again? Huh? Someone said Britain's got talent. Sah. Britain's got talent. People compete in order to win the competition with what they're saying and whatever have you, right? Back in the day, they had poetry competitions. Who would host these poetry competitions? The kings and those in charge. So this poet now, when he enters upon the king, right? And he starts dropping his poetry, right? The one who praises the king the best, he's the one that's going to go home with the prize. I'm going to ask you guys a question. This poet now who's praising the king, huh? does he really mean it? Is he doing this with love? Or is he after that which is in the back pocket of that king? He wants the prize, sah. As soon as he takes the prize, he's probably going to start insulting the king as soon as he walks out, right? Even this individual now was praising, sah. He was praising the king. However, if we go back to the ta'rif earlier, it is what? Wasful Mahmoud bil Kamal, coupled with what? To praise the one who's deserving, or to attribute uh, completeness to the one who's deserving of all praise, coupled with what? Huh? Love and glorification. And that poet, he did not praise out of what? Love. Nor did he praise out of glorification. Araftum ya ikhwa. Do you guys see the difference between Alhamd and also Al-Madh? Just praising someone. As opposed to what? Praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with love and glorification. When you, at, when you utter Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen, this is now coming from your heart. Because you believe that no one has the right to be worshipped in truth except Allah Azza wa Jal. And no one is deserving of praise the same way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is deserving of praise. Because of everything that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has done in this universe and everything that he provides for you. Isn't Allah Azza wa Jal that is deserving of all praise? You find people today, they praise thee, the UK government. Because they give you free medical care. Huh? They pay for your housing benefit. If you don't have a job, they give you benefits. And then you find that in the Arab world, they're always praising Queen Elizabeth. Wadah, guys. Because... She provided them with all of this, what? With all of this that I have just been mentioned. Isn't Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala deserving of praise? Coupled with love and glorification. Because he deserves it. Jameel. It says, Alhamdulillahi qad wahaba. So, Alhamdulillah Azza wa Jal. The one who 
gifted ibadahu al-muqarrabin his ibad his close servants al-adaba this is a gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he gifts you with good etiquettes and being gifted with good etiquettes guys it is what something that Allah azza wa jal chooses for some of his servants you find some individuals okay that people say about all the time mashallah man that brother has wonderful etiquettes it's just part of him it's just instilled within him but some individuals they have to go and learn the etiquettes so there is two types there is that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gifts and there is that which one goes and acquires عرفت? and in both cases once you have now been gifted with the etiquette and also the manners Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala deserves to be praised for that the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he said in a hadith because here the, 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 the author or the musannif what they say ibadahul muqarrameen those who are close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala right in a hadith the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said inna min ahabbikum ilayya wa aqrabakum minni majlisan ahasinuhum akhlaqa Messenger is saying, those who are most beloved to me and those who are most closest to me those who have the best of etiquettes those who have the best of etiquettes this brings you benefits in this dunya and likewise the hereafter as the Messenger said ما من شيء في الميزان أثقل من حسن الخلق there isn't anything that is more heavier on the scale of good deeds than what? and good deeds uh, than, uh, than etiquettes than having the mannerism Wallahi it doesn't require much it really doesn't require a lot of effort to treat people nicely it doesn't cost money to treat people nicely think about it for a moment does it cost a smile in somebody's face? does it cost to say Jazakallah khairan does it cost to cause or to treat somebody nicely? Wallahi it doesn't right? So if you're close now to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam as he came in the hadith here without a shadow of a doubt this is something that will cause you to be close to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala And then he said ثُمَّ الصَّلَاةُ بِالسَّلَامِ تَلْتَقِي عَلَى نَبِيِّنَا عَظِيمِ الْخُلُقِ And then he starts sending his salat and salam upon the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam عَلَى نَبِيِّنَا our Prophet عَظِيمِ الْخُلُقِ the Prophet who has the best of etiquettes and that is of course Muhammad ibn Abdullah our Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam may peace and blessings be upon him ثُمَّ الصَّلَاةُ what does the salah mean? who can tell me? لُغَةً means the dua huh? in the language he said linguistically it means to make a dua right? where did we get this from? There is a hadith when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said إِذَا دُعِيَ أَحَدُكُمْ إِلَىٰ وَلِيمَةٍ فَلْيُجِبْ If you get invited to a walima, then accept the invitation. فَإِنْ كَانَ صَائِمًا فَلْيُصَلِّ عَلَيْهِ But if he is fasting, then let him now send his salah upon that individual who is getting married. What do you do? Do you start praying salah to al-janazah? And his walima? Huh? The Messenger sallallahu is saying that you pray or you do salah on that individual. What does that mean? What was the dua? 
I was a dua that you say to someone who just got married. Barakallahu lak wa baraka alayk wa jama'a baynukuma fi khair. You ask Allah Azza wa to bless him and to bless his marriage. <coughs> to bless the couples, right? This is the dua that we make for that individual. So it doesn't mean to start praying the funeral prayer at that individual's walima. Here the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, do your salah on him, which means make dua for him. So that's what he means linguistically. That's what he means linguistically. Now, طيب. what does it mean uh, when you look at it from a technical perspective? for the angels is istighfar and for the angels so every time we say sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, huh? every time we say sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, have any of us ever thought what this actually means? It is you now, okay? Or it's in fact Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala making good mention of his prophet in the presence or in the congregation of the angels. So when we now say sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, we are asking Allah azza wa jal, to raise the Messenger وسلم, above the rank that he already has. So when Allah Azza wa Jal praises him, that's exactly what happens, right? Allah Azza wa Jal raises him above the rank that he already has. And that is when we, what? Say, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Right? And we know this is mentioned in the Quran that Allah sends his salah, the angels send their salah upon the Messenger. And we are told to send the salah upon the Messenger. إِنَّ اللَّهَ وَمَلَائِكَتَهُ يُصَلُّونَ عَلَى النَّبِيِّ يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا صَلُّوا عَلَيْهِ وَسَلِّمُوا تَسْلِيمًا جميل And then it also means, uh, it has a different meaning when the angels, they send a salah upon an individual or upon the Prophet But this is a discussion for another time. And depending on who the salah is being given by, it has a different meaning. جميل So what does the salah mean guys? So now when we send our salah upon the Prophet Sallallahu what are we asking Allah Azza wa Jal? We are asking Allah Azza wa to raise the Messenger Sallallahu above the rank that he already has. Wadih guys, I'm going to let you read Asr Afwan, I forgot. Tayyib. Bissalami taltaqi. Tayyib, what about now? As-salam. Naam. Okay, when we say sallallahu alayhi and then we say wasallam, right? So now we've understood what the salah means. Then we also have that uh, the meaning of wasallam or asking Allah Azza wa to do salam on that individual. What does that actually mean? It means, guys, I think all of you guys should write this down. Huh? To protect the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam from all types of harms to protect the Messenger from all different types of harms 
طيب you might ask the question how can the Messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم be harmed and he's passed away ah then you did okay say it again people reviling him that are speaking ill of him isn't until this very day guys individuals who are plotting day and night in order to distort the message of the Prophet huh? day and night you find that the enemies of Islam they are trying to distort the image of the Prophet they work so hard to make the Messenger look like a bloodthirsty, barbaric individual that the Muslims have taken up as a prophet. But no matter how much they try, there is always those huh, who refute and rebuke these doubts. That is attributed back to the Prophet يحمل هذا العلم من كل خلف عدوله. As the Messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم said, this علم will be carried in every time. Individuals who are upright, right? What do they do? They remove any, huh? They remove any of these doubts that are attributed back to the Messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم and the false interpretations of the jahilin, the ignorant individuals. And then he concludes the line of poetry, عظيم الخلق, the one who has the best of etiquettes. Isn't that the Prophet sallallahu What does Allah say in Surah Noon? So basically to say that um, you know, uh, we're asking Allah as well to protect the Messiah from being worshipped. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. This is general. To protect the Messiah from any of these harms, you know, that people try to cause the Messiah. Okay. However, individuals now who commit shirk, who worship the Prophet by invoking him, is this really going to harm the Prophet? In essence, it's not going to harm him. In essence, it's not going to harm him. However, However, you find individuals who justify the permissibility of going to the Prophet ﷺ and saying, Ya Rasulullah, protect me from the hellfire. Right? And then you find those individuals who have learned the religion of Allah Azza wa they remove any of these doubts, okay, that people bring to justify some of these innovative practices. Wadih. Azim al khuluqi. Allah says in the Quran in Surah Noon about the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam What does he say? O oh Muhammad, you have the best of etiquettes Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha She was asked about the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam's etiquettes What was her response? That the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam's etiquettes was the Quran The Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam's etiquettes was the Quran Don't worry guys, inshallah we're going to get to the juicy bits um, In a moment, bi ta'ala we'll go through all of the different traits and then he says and he says which means to proceed when the khatib sometimes says it means to proceed you would use this term to move from one part of your speech to the next 
Now we're moving into another part of this mandoma, and he says, Haka, this. This poetry that you have here, Ahsan al Akhlaqi. It has the best of etiquettes. Yarqa biha sahibuha al Maraqi. You find that one rises. You find one that he rises because of the etiquettes that he adorns himself with. The mannerisms and the etiquettes that you beautify and you clothe and adorn yourself with, it will cause somebody to rise. Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said in the hadith, إِنَّ الرَّجُلَ لَيُدْرِكُ بِحُسْنِ خُلِقِهِ دَرَجَةَ الصَّائِمِ وَالْقَائِمِ One will reach a level because of his etiquettes and manners, Okay, the same way a person who prays in the night and fasts in the day would reach. Because of what? Something that is so easy. Not much is being asked of you. All that which is being asked of you is to do what? It is to treat the people nicely. And inshallah ta'ala, I'm going to explain in a little moment huh, what etiquette means. Naam. وَبَعْدُ هَاكَ أَحْسَنَ الْأَخْلَاقِ يَرْقَى بِهَا صَاحِبُهَا الْمَرَاقِ because of these etiquettes, one will rise high above everyone else. Think about this for a moment. Waking up in the night, let's be honest with ourselves. Is it easy to wake up in the night and to be praying throughout the whole night? Huh? It's not an easy thing, right? For honest with ourselves. And then to be fasting throughout the day, is that an easy thing? We only manage to do that in the month of Ramadan. And that is because everyone is doing it and that you know, serves as uh, an aid and assistance. When you see other people doing something, it's easier for one to do it as well. However, throughout the year, especially now in the summer, when the nights are short and the days are longer, it's very, very hard to be fasting and also to be waking up in the night and doing or engaging in the night prayer. Wadih. You're being told just because of your etiquettes, you will reach the level of these individuals who engage in the night prayer and also they fast throughout the day. طيب ما معنى الأخلاق أو الأدب etiquettes We hear this term all the time and we all want to beautify ourselves with the best of etiquettes. In a nutshell now, what does etiquettes mean? Does anyone have an idea? Okay, he said the way you hold yourself. Huh. I want the definition, a tarif. The dealings you have with the creation and also the creator. Jamil. Anyone else? Jamil. It's because I gave I, I told him that before. tu'amil an nasa ma tuhibbu an to treat the people the same way you like to be treated. They teach us that in school, right? Huh? Treat the people the same way you like to be treated. This is the best of the definitions that are out there. Treat the people the same way you like to be treated. Okay? You don't want somebody to give you a dirty look. Don't be the one who goes and gives dirty looks to others. You don't want the people to treat you or deal with you in a rough and tough manner. Don't be treating others like that. You don't want someone to be messing around and flirting with your sister. Sah? Don't flirt with other individual sisters. 
Because what goes around comes around. And this is exactly the definition of what? When you think about it, of akhlaq. And to treat the people the same way you like to be treated. And if you don't treat the people in that manner, okay, it is just going to what? Come back to you the same way you're treating others. It's as simple as that. What goes around comes around. And you find that there is a number of wise statements of the scholars huh, that give of this ma'ana, give of this meaning. And before all of that, this is mentioned in the Quran. Did you know, guys, what goes around comes around is mentioned in the Quran? Huh? Who can give me the verse? Huh? Hayat Fadda. There's another one that I'm looking for. Give you guys a clue. It's a Surah An-Nisa. Sheikh Ibrahim. You can read it with Qalun if you want. Second page. And I'll give you guys another clue. It's on half the page, or it's in the middle of the page. Ain al Hafad. Where's the Hafad? Allah says in the Quran, Wal Yakshal Ladina Low Taraku min Khalfihim, Adulriyatan Diafa, Khafu Alehim, Falyatakullah, Wal Yakulu Kaulan Sadida. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala here tells us about the orphans. Those who are now responsible of the orphans. Be very careful with how you deal with them. Meaning if you treat them badly, tomorrow you're going to leave your kids behind. And how you're treating these orphans now that are under your position, tomorrow when you leave your children behind, that's how they're going to be dealt with as well. Be fearful for them. Be fearful for them. Are you with me guys? And that's very, very important. And there's so many other statements that can be mentioned as well. I always say this to brothers who have sisters who want to go and mess around with you know, other individuals, sisters and daughters. Thinking that it can't happen to him. Wallahi al-Azim. Time and time again we've seen it. A brother goes and he sleeps with other women and then what? It happens to his sister. And then he gets upset. Why are you getting upset? Aren't you messing around with other people's daughters and sisters? Why should you be upset? So one of the ways to really protect your women folk in your family is to keep your hands together and to keep your hands to yourself. Because what you do, expect it to happen to your women folk as well. Whether it is you flirting with them, whether it is you having private conversations with them, huh? whether it is you looking at them a certain way, the way you act with other women, that's how there will be someone who's going to Act like that towards your own sister and do not become upset. Do not become upset because you do that 
all the time anyway. Wadih. Another definition is when Abdullah ibn Mubarak rahimahullah ta'ala he was asked about good etiquettes. He said Bastul wajhi wabadlul ma'rufi wa kafful adha. It is to meet the people with a smiling face and to also spread goodness and to forbid harm reaching others. And does this now contradict with the first? In essence, it doesn't. Huh? In essence, it doesn't. Right? Because we mentioned to have a smiling, pleasant face. Wouldn't you like others to meet you with a smiling, pleasant face? Sah? And then spreading goodness. Wouldn't you like people to spread the goodness to you? Of course you would. Right? When you spread goodness, you expect people to treat you in that manner as well. And to remove harm. Sah? Wahakada. So these are the two best definitions that are out there with regards to huh? what good etiquettes are. How are you Taha? You right? Taha. Which one's Taha? Huh? You? Yeah. Nah. And you? Yeah. What was your name again? Ammar. Ammar. That's it, Ammar. It's Ammar and Taha. They attend my weekly classes. طيب. He then says, فَأَوَّلًا رَاعِ مَعَ اللَّهِ الْأَدَبِ بِتَرْكِ الْإِثْمِ وَبِفِعْلِ مَا وَجَبِ The first thing that he advises you with is to have good manners and etiquettes with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. بِتَرْكِ الْإِثْمِ وَبِفِعْلِ مَا وَجَبِ To leave off sinning and to do what you have been commanded with. Okay? The etiquettes are of two types, guys. Number one, your etiquettes with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Number two, your etiquettes with the creation. Wadih. Number one, the etiquettes with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Number two, your etiquettes with the creation. How often do we hear, mashallah, the kuffar, they have wonderful etiquettes? Huh? Do we not hear it all the time? Jameel. We'll speak about that in a moment. Here he says, Ra'i ma'allahi al-adab. Ra'i ma'allahi al-adab. Make sure that you have good etiquette with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How do you have good etiquette with Allah azza wa jal? He says it here. Bitarki al-ithmi. To leave off sinning. Wa bifi'li ma wajib. And to do what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded you with. And if you don't do this, you are having bad manners and bad etiquette with Allah azza wa jal. That's how we should look at it. When you do that which is displeasing to Allah Azza wa Jal, you're in essence showing bad manners to Allah Azza wa Jal. Would anyone in his right mind say, Ya Allah, you're telling me to do this, but you know what, I don't care, I'm going to walk off. Would anyone talk to Allah Azza wa Jal like that? Nobody in his right mind would, right? But that's in essence what we're exactly doing. When Allah Azza wa Jal says, Ya ayyuhal ladheena amanu, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, he said, فَأَرْعِهَا سَمْعَكْ Make sure you lend your ear. Wherever we find in the book of Allah, as يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمِنُ O you who believe. Arm your person with faith. Allah Azza wa Jal is directly calling you. 
telling you to do this and to stay away from this. And how do we respond? We respond by saying, you know what? I've got better things to do. Even though you might not say with your tongue, this is what your limbs are implying. Am I wrong for saying that, guys? Isn't this in essence what our limbs are implying? That we choose the creation over Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We keep Allah Azza wa waiting. Allah Azza wa is always what? Secondary in our lives. And never a priority. So earlier when I was saying huh, how there is a lot of people who sometimes say that the kuffar have good manners. They have better manners than the Muslims. How often have I heard it? Especially in the cafes. Sitting around talking about how the kuffar have good etiquette. Look how they're treating us in the UK. But you go to the Muslim countries. They treat us a certain way. To some extent that is true. Huh? Go to Egypt. They do a job on you guys. Huh? I think some of the Egypt brothers can testify to that. Huh? The way they treat you and everything. However, you come to the UK, there's a nizam, there's a system. Huh? You have rights. Sah? You have rights. But in Egypt, they'll take your red passport and they'll throw it like that. Huh? Allah Mustan. ولكن هل يصلح هذا الكلام؟ Can we actually say that the kuffar have better manners than the Muslims? Allah Azza wa Jalla tells in the Quran, إن الذين كفروا من أهل الكتاب والمشركين في نار جهنم. إن الذين كفروا indeed those who have what come with kufr disbelief from the people of the book, the Jews and the Christians. والمشركين the mushriks those who commit shirk في نار جهنم they are in the hellfire. What does Allah then say? Huh? They are the worst of creation. Allah Azza wa tells us they are the worst of creation. So how can the worst of creation have good manners? Or how can they have good etiquettes? Wallahi, the etiquette with the people is not going to benefit them if they have the most filthiest of manners towards Allah Azza wa And at the end, that's what matters. And this is exactly what Sheikh Ibn Uthima in his Kitab Makarim al-Akhlaq mentioned. He mentioned that there's two types of etiquettes. Your etiquette with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and your etiquette with the creation. And this is what the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was sent with to establish. As it came in the hadith, إِنَّمَا بُعِثْتُ لِيُتَمِّمَ مَكَارِمَ الْأَخْلَاقِ I was only sent to establish the lofty mannerisms and characteristics guys, I was only sent to establish good etiquettes and mannerism. Messenger is saying that that's the reason as to why he was sent. I'm going to ask you guys a question. You guys who study Tawheed, huh? You guys just finished Kitab Tawheed, right? MashaAllah, Tabarakallah. Allahumma barik. May Allah bless the teacher and reward him for that. Ameen. Kitab Azim. Tayyib. For one of the things that you guys studied is that the prophets were sent to establish a tawheed, right? Isn't this now contradictory? Huh? Jamil, 
هذا هو وأن الله عز وجل سلم القرآن ولقد بعثنا في كل أمة رسولا أن يعبدوا الله وجتني مطاغوت Every prophet that was sent to his nation to his people what was he calling them to? التوحيد تمام That was his occupation to the people As to why he was sent it was to establish التوحيد هيا Here we took that التوحيد is of uh, sorry the etiquette are of two types right your etiquette with Allah and the etiquette with creation so there's no contradiction so when now one is not coming with a tawheed in reference to his Lord right he has had bad manners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala وبفعلي ما وجب طيب تفضل أزهر عفوا طيب we need someone to keep the time yeah let me know when it's 55 past I'll give you guys a 5 minute break واضح جميل here he mentions وحسني ظن Okay, وَحُسْنِ ظَنِّنْ And here, this is mentioned as the third trait. As you can see, there are some numbers next to these terms. The first etiquette was that they leave off sinning. The second etiquette was that they do that which Allah Azza wa wants them to come with. The third thing here, you can find that there is a little number three next to it. وَحُسْنِ ظَنِّنْ To have good thought of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To have good thought of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? When things are going wrong, for you to think now there is no light at the end of the tunnel is what? I thought of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? A lot of the time, especially in times like this, when we see uh, so many people passing away in front of us, so many people dying, people suffering financially, we begin to think that all is what? Doom and gloom. No light at the end of the tunnel. Did you know, guys, just having a positive mentality is a reason why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to better your situation? As opposed to someone who just thinks negatively all the time, who has a very hopeless mentality. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu he said, He swears by Allah. He swears by the one who my soul is in his hand. Never does one have good thought of Allah except that Allah is going to give it to him. And that is because all good is in the hands of who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You lose your job. Instead of thinking that this is the end of the world, right? You're just having that thought. Perhaps Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala maybe wants a better job for me. Right? Look at the prophets. Musa alayhi salatu wasalam. Musa alayhi salatu wasalam. He had the army of Fir'aun behind him and then he has the sea before him. This is what some of the companions of Musa said. They're going to catch us. 
Musa alayhi what did he respond with? Kalla, inna ma'i rabbi sayahdin. Or inna ma'i rabbi sayahdin. Wallah, guys, no. They're not going to catch us. Indeed, Allah is with us. And He's the one that's going to guide us. And then what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? فَأُوحَيْنَا إِلَى مُوسَى is with a fa, right? Huh? Ibrahim. With a fa or with a well? The first one is with a well, right? The other one is with a فَأُوحَيْنَا إِلَى مُوسَى أَنْ يُنْضَرِبْ بِعَصَاكَ الْبَحْرِ The second one is a well? Or the first one is a fa, right? On the page before that. قَالَ كَلَّيْنَ مَعِي رَبِّي سَيَهْدِينَ فَأُوحَيْنَا نعم فأوحينا إلى موسى أن اضرب بعصاك البحر فانفلق فكان كله فرق كالطود العظيم وأزلفنا ثم الآخرين وأنجينا موسى ومن معه أجمعين واضح guys الله عز وجل revealed to him that he gets his staff and he puts in the sea فانفلق what happened the sea split but how did it all start حسن ظني بالله عز وجل when you're in that kind of situation and you look behind you and you look in front of you, Wallahi, huh? It's game over, right? Even in the most tightest of situations, what does he say? Kalla, inna ma'i rabbi sayahdeen. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is with us. He's with me and he's going to guide us. Or he's going to guide me. Wallah, guys. What happened? وَأَزْلَفْنَا ثَمَّ الْآخَرِينَ وَأَنْجَيْنَا مُوسَى وَمَنْ مَعَهُ أَجْمَعِينَ We saved Musa and we saved those who were with him. حُسْنُ ظَنِّ بِاللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلُ Also look at the father of Yusuf. Ya'qub alayhi salatu wassalam. He lost one child that was so beloved to him. And then he lost Binyamin. Doesn't know where he is. And then he still says, يَا بَنِي يَذْهَبُوا فَتَحَسَّسُوا مِنْ يُوسُفُ وَأَخِيهِ وَلَا تَيَّسُوا مِنْ رَوْحِ اللَّهِ Do not lose hope in finding your brother. Do not lose hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in finding your brother. He tells his children, go. Subhanallah. إِنَّهُ لَا يَيَّسُوا مِنْ رَوْحِ اللَّهِ إِلَّا قَوْمُ الْكَافِرُونَ Wadih, guys. Another example is who? The wife of Ibrahim alayhi salatu wassalam. Where did he leave her? He left in the middle of nowhere. رَبَّنَا إِنِّي أَسْكَنْتُ مِنْ ذُلِّيَّةِ بِوَادٍ غَيْرِ ذِي زَرْعٍ عِنَّ بَيْتِكَ الْمُحَرَّةِ Oh Allah, I have left my wife and my child. In a place where there's no growth, there's no agriculture. In the middle of nowhere. This is where Ibrahim left his wife Hajar and his son. Hajar is running after him and saying, Allahu amaraka bihada. Did your Lord command you to leave us like this? He said, Nah. Look what she said. She go out, huh? On a tantrum as most women today, today you just leave her at home, you're going to London, huh? She goes off. Oh, you wanna maybe just go to spend time with your friends? For those that are not married, don't worry about it, you'll find out soon. <laughs> you know what her response was, guys? If that is the case, Allah Azza wa told you, 
He is not going to abandon us. Subhanallah, husnullah. She's in the middle of nowhere. What did that lead to? Allah Azza wa Jal caused the zamzam to come out, right? And it didn't stop there. Allah Azza wa Jal decreed that her name until this very day is remembered every time we go to Safa and Marwa. When we run from Safa and Marwa after having completed our tawaf around the Kaaba for Umrah, we go to Safa and Marwa, right? It has significance. The significance of Hajar running from Safa to Marwa. She still remembered today. Perhaps maybe because of a Husnudan and also from the progeny of Ismail is who? Prophet. So a lot of khair just came out of that kalima. Because Hajar could have reacted a different way. As most women would. As most women would. And of course, you have the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. You have the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam when he went to Ta'if and they stoned him. They stoned him. His feet were bleeding. And then the angel of the mountains came to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and said to him, In shi'ta an utbiqa alayhim al-akhshabayn. If you want, we'll take these two mountains and I will slam it on top of them. What was his response? Refusal. Inni la arju. An yukhrij Allahu min aslabihim. Man ya'budu Allaha wa la yushriku bihi shay'a. I have the hope that Allah Azza wa Jal is going to bring out from their loins individuals who are going to worship Allah and not commit any shirk. That's exactly what happened. He could have chosen the other option. Of them being what? Destroyed. Husnullah billahi azza wa jal. Inshallah ta'ala will take a five minute break and then we will commence after that inshallah. Yeah? Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. So the last thing that we were discussing was billahi subhanahu wa ta'ala. Having good thought of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is a trait guys that one Dialy needs when he is involved in some haram and he's just looking for that final push in order to leave the haram. Well, like how often do I get uh, messages from brothers and sisters who are maybe working in a haram job and they're trying to leave it off? However, there's that constant fear if I was to leave this off now. Huh? then uh, I'm going to be left without any finances. Maybe I'm going to be hit with poverty and so on and so forth. There is a hadith which is from the most favorite and beloved hadith to me. And it's times like this when one comes with husnudan, wallahi, he will taste something in his heart that will be a president for the rest of his life. What is this? And the Messenger Sallallahu said, إِنَّكَ لَن تَدَعَ شَيْءٍ اتِّقَانِ اللَّهِ إِلَّا عَطَاكَ اللَّهُ خَيْرٌ مِّنْهِ You don't leave something for the sake of Allah Azza wa Jal except that Allah is going to give you that which is better. Wadih guys, I can say it till tomorrow, tell you guys of stories after stories after stories 
of brothers and sisters just like me and you who are involved in haram due to their work they left it for the sake of Allah and they never looked back and once you taste it once guys that sweetness in your faith and Allah giving you that which is better the next time you find yourself involved in haram Allah as they say is like a no-brainer when it comes to making a choice it's as simple as that I'll tell you guys two individuals very very quickly my neighbor Suhail and his wife Maymuna I always use them as an example they were both working as accountants and it's very well known an accountant he has to what? write down the interest huh? and this is something that the Prophet ﷺ prohibited as he came in the hadith لَعَنَ اللَّهُ آكِلَ الرِّبَى وَمُوكِلَهُ وَكَاتِبَهُ وَشَاهِدَيْهِ وَقَالَهُمْ فِيهِ سَوَاء They are all the same. The one who takes the riba, the one who gives the riba, the one who is a witness to it, the one who... Huh? The one who? Writes it. And the Messenger وسلم, he said all of them are the same. Whether you are the one who is giving out that loan or taking it or writing it or witnessing it, they're all the same. Well, I remember one time I visited a brother, I was, I was teaching him Nawaqid al-Islam. This is back in 2014. And he left his job, right? And I could see, you know, it was really bothering him. The fact that he left his job. And also because his in-laws now were giving him a hard time. Looking down on him for being at home, jobless. How can this guy leave his job? Bi'ayyi aql. That's how they look at you, right? As if you're backwards. This guy really have intellect. He's leaving his job. Wallahi, you know, it's the law of the land. That's what we hear all the time. Being involved in haram is the law of the land. Everything you try to do, you're always going to be involved in haram. This is a lie. And it's a myth. There is enough that you could do without you being involved in haram. Directly. They left their jobs. And that little money that he had, he went hajj with it. That was the year when he went hajj on my hajj group. Taib. You know, most individuals that I know have jobs in Saudi Arabia as English teachers, they either work in Riyadh. Some are fortunate enough to be working in Al-Madina. Wadah, guys. How most of them are in Riyadh. Some in Unayza, like in Qasim. Huh? Some in Jeddah. Most of them are either in Riyadh or Jeddah. I've never met an individual with the hundreds of English teachers that I've met working in Saudi Arabia. Someone who's teaching in Mecca. That was him and his wife. Wallahi, 21,000 pounds that they were picking up after tax. Hey, mashallah, we all work for the government. Huh? We all work for the government. We work so hard throughout the month and then a big chunk of that goes to government. Got to pay tax. This tax, road tax. This another tax and then whatever other so many taxes that are out there. Sah? 21,000 after tax because there's no tax there. And he's maybe teaching sometimes not once a week and sometimes the kids don't even turn up because he was asked to come over by a very rich family and the kids were spoiled. Every other day he's visiting the Kaaba, doing tawaf around, 
the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He came back, Allah, he bought the biggest house on the road. And just maybe a couple of years ago, huh? I seen him at home, looking sad. Walakin, remember, the bigger the sacrifice, the bigger that which Allah Azza wa is going to give to you. That's how I look at it as. Look what Ibn Al-Qayyim Ta'ala mentions in his kitab, Zadul Mi'ad. He says, وَمَنْ ظَنَّ بِهِ أَنَّهُ إِذَا تَرَكَ لِأَجْلِهِ شَيْئًا لَمْ يُعَوِّذُ خَيْرًا مِنْهُ أَوْ مَنْ فَعَلَ لِأَجْلِهِ شَيْئًا لَمْ يُعْطِي أَفْضَلَ مِنْهُ فَقَدْ ظَنَّ بِهِ ظَنَّ السَّوْءِ Whoever thinks that if he was to leave something for the sake of Allah, Allah is not going to give him that which is better. Or he, was, or he would do something for the sake of Allah, and Allah is not going to give him that which is better, this person has had bad thought of Allah Azza wa this person has had bad thought of Allah Azza wa So the board is in your court. Sometimes, you know, guys, wallahi, I'm rubbing my hands. When an opportunity arises, huh? and then all of a sudden I'm told, wallahi, and it's very lucrative. I could have been a millionaire a very long time ago, guys. Huh? Maybe I would have bought this masjid for them. Well, like, you know, I don't have that money. Huh? The amount of lucrative offers that I've come across, all I needed was to maybe invest what? 10 or 20,000 pounds. It was looking so lucrative. But then I was told, oh, it's an interest-based contract and whatever have you. And then the guy is saying, Wallahi, everything here is haram. Huh? Just do it once and then take your money out. Later on, I found that he made ridiculous money. But it's times like that, when Wallahi, you learn to say no, Allah is just going to open so many other doors. Huh? Allah is going to open so many other doors and you're going to be gifted with something that is priceless. And you know what that is? Contentment. While he might have all of the money, but he's depressed in his life. Just the other day, I sent to my brother a video where all of these very well-known famous icons online. You guys heard of this guy called... Uh, what's his name again? His second name is Paul. What's his first name? Not Jake. Oh, that guy, yeah. And Logan Paul. And then this other guy called Tentacion. Huh? And then this other guy. And then all of these very well-known YouTubers. Even the guy Justin Bieber. Huh? All of them are saying that they're depressed. That they were more happier before they became famous and they earned all of this money. Contentment is priceless, guys. Wallahi, even if all the money was given to you. If one thinks, oh, me... Earning money is going to bring me happiness. Wallah, you're gravely mistaken. However, that sweetness that you feel in your heart when leaving something for the sake of Allah Azza wa huh? And then you see right before your eyes, Allah is giving you so much. That guys, money can't buy. That money can't buy. Tafadda Nazar. وَقْدِرْ نَبِيَّهُ وَعَظِّمْ سُنَّتَهُ أنا وحسن ظن وحسن ظن وتوكل رجاء حب وتوحيد ومن خاف نجا The next trait that was mentioned my beloved brothers and sisters is توكلن huh? To have a توكل of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Being someone who has 
reliance upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Your heart is connected to Him. Okay? Al-i'timadu ala Allahi ma'al akhdi bil asbab. Your heart is reliant upon who? Allah Azza wa Jal. When you want to embark upon something, while at the same time you take the means, they always say tie the camel. You're looking to get married, you put your trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and isn't that what istikhara is for? When you do istikhara, you're asking Allah Azza wa Jal, Allah min kunta ta'lam anna hadha al-amra khayrun li fi deeni wa dunyai wa ma'ashi wa until the end of the dua. Fakhdurhu li wa yassirhu li, sah? You're asking Allah to make it easy for you, okay? If there is any good in this for you. That is you now asking Allah to take care of your affairs. You've left it in His hands. Wadih, guys. And then you also what? Take the asbab. What are the asbab? You go looking. You can't expect the woman to just drop from the ceiling. That doesn't work like that. You go what? To marriage meetings. You ask individuals, what naam? You keep making dua, you keep taking the means, you're tying that camel. Or you join these, uh, what do they call them? Sunnah match, huh? All of this is what? All of this is what? You taking the means, tying the camel. Naam? However, you put your trust in Allah Azza wa Jalla, وَمَنْ يَتَوَكَّلْ عَلَى اللَّهِ فَهُوَ حَسْبُهُ one puts his trust in Allah Azza wa Jal, and Allah Azza wa Jal is sufficient for him. طيب, the next one, Raja. Raja, if you translate that in the English language, guys, it means to have hope. Naam. Arju min Allahi an yudkhilani fil jannah. Wa an yataqabbal minni. An yataqabbal minni. When I do a righteous act, guys, I have that hope that Allah Azza wa Jal is going to accept it from me and admit me into Al-Jannah. Wadih guys? I'm also going to mention Khawf. Even though there is a couple of traits that come before that. If you look at the end of the line, okay, it says, وَمَنْ خَافَ نَجَا And whoever comes with the attribute, that quality of being fearful of Allah Azza wa Jal, he will acquire salvation. And Raja and Khawf, having hope and also fear, Okay, are two traits that must go hand in hand with one another. Even Imam Ta'ala, when speaking about the traits of the awliya, in his manzoma, Sayyidullah wa Dar al he says, وَهُمُ الَّذِينَ بَنَوْ مَنَازِلَ سَيْرِهِمْ بَيْنَ الرَّجَى وَالْخَوْفِ لِلْدَيَّانِ From their traits, the righteous saints, is that they have structured their path to Allah Azza wa Jal, while they worship Allah Azza wa with what? With hope and fear. In the month of Ramadan, mashallah, we prayed throughout the nights and we fasted throughout the days. If you stand up, huh? if you stand up on every single night, you have caught Laylatul Qadr, isn't that so? Because you stood up for every night, sah? Taib. Laylatul Qadr khayrun min alfi shahar. The night of Al Qadr is better than a thousand months. Khalas. I'm going to relax for the rest of the year. يَصْرُحُ هَذَا؟ فَلِمَاذَا؟ Didn't I now stand the night prayer on every single night of the last ten? Forget about the last ten. I stood in the night every single night of Ramadan. 
خلاص يعني I can relax now. Why can't I relax? Even if I relax now for the rest of my life, I don't think I'll ever get to another 83 years. I think I'll be the grave by then. Huh? لماذا يا أخوة? Although you hope that it's accepted, you, 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 you hope that it's being accepted. How do you know your prayer got accepted? How do you know? ما تعلم هذا؟ Huh? You don't know that. Umar al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala anhu said, If I knew that one prostration was accepted, I would have loved to now depart this world and meet my Lord. One sajda. Why? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِنَّمَا يَتَقَبَّلُ اللَّهِ Allah only accepts from those who come with the taqwa. And the taqwa huna, the taqwa is in your heart. This is Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu ta'ala anhu saying this. Where do me and you stand? And likewise guys, it is not the way of the believer to become so complacent. That's not his way. But rather he stays on his toes. Rather, he stays on his toes. What did the Messenger وسلم, teach Aisha ta'ala anha to say on the last 10 nights? Who can tell me? Allahumma innaka afoon tuhibbu al-afu fa'afu Who can give me the translation for that? Put your hand up. Huh? Tafadda Abdullah. Allah, you're asking Allah Azza to pardon you. Taib. Who is the Messenger وسلم, teaching this to? Umm al-Mu'minin Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha. This is Umm al-Mu'minin. She's been working so hard in the last 20 nights of Ramadan. And now he's telling her, ask Allah to give you. Hi guys. He's telling her, ask Allah to forgive you. Subhanallah. After working so hard. Ibn Rajab rahimahullah ta'ala comments on this and he says, in his wonderful kitab, Lataif al-Ma'arif, he says, وَإِنَّمَا أَمَرَ بِسُؤَالِ الْعَفُوَ بَعْدَ الْإِجْتِهَادِ فِي الْعَمَالِ فِيهَا وَفِي الْيَالِ الْعَشْرِ لِأَنَّ الْعَالِفِينَ يَجْتَهِدُونَ فِي الْعَمَالِ ثُمَّ لَا يَرَوْنَ لِأَنفُسِهِمْ عَمَلًا صَالِحًا وَلَا حَالًا وَلَا مَقَالًا فَيَرْجِعُونَ إِلَى سُؤَالِ الْعَفْوِ كَحَالِ الْمُذْنِبِ الْمُقَصِّرِ In summary, without translating a word by word, we don't have much time. He says he only commanded her to ask Allah for forgiveness because the smart and intelligent individual he works hard and keeps working hard. And he follows up one righteous act with another. And then he doesn't see himself having accomplished much. He doesn't see himself having accomplished much. He always sees that there is what? Room for improvement. And then look, subhanAllah, wallahi guys, Barely you will find individuals who worship Allah Azza wa Jal like this. Look what he says, guys. They rush back to seeking forgiveness from their Lord after coming with all these righteous actions the same way a sinner would do. I'm going to ask you guys a question. A smart sinner, after having committed zina, what's he going to do? A smart sinner. He's going to repent. He's going to break down in front of his Lord, right? Cry his eyes out. صح? He's saying... That's how a righteous individual who's been coming with all of these righteous good acts should be. 
Has this ever crossed our minds, guys? This is from the characteristic and the trace of who? The awliya, the saints and those who are close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To break down in front of Allah azza wa jal. After having come with all of these righteous actions, Allah gave you the tawfiq, the success to do so, and you ask Allah, Ya Allah, forgive me. One of the signs of an accepted amal, action is, that you follow up that good deed with what? Repentance. What's the first thing we do after salah? Astaghfirullah, 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 right? What did Allah command us with after hajj? You just came back like a newly born baby. فَإِذَا أَفَضْتُمْ مِنْ عَرَفَاتٍ فَذْكُرُوا اللَّهِ عِنْدَ الْمَشْعَرِ الْحَرَامِ وَذْكُرُوا كَمَا هَدَاكُمْ وَإِنْ كُنْتُمْ مِنْ قَبْلِ لَمِنَ اللَّالِّينَ ثُمَّ أَفِيضُوا مِنْ حَيْثُ أَفَاضَ النَّاسُ وَاسْتَغْفِرُوا اللَّهِ What sins that you have? You just came back as a newly born baby. Allah is telling him to seek forgiveness. After wudu, what do you ask Allah? Allah maj'alni? Tawwabin maj'alni? Following up that good deed with Al-Istighfar And then another righteous act that comes after that So you have that hope that Allah is going to accept it from you While at the same time you have that fear that is going to be rejected I always give the example Of the boy in the ice cream van When you hear the ice cream van going by huh? And all the noise That comes with it We all know how the ice cream van sounds right? Huh? This child now, he's between hope and fear. He hopes that his mom is going to give him some money, sah? Because a uh, responsible mother, she's going to give you money to go buy ice cream every day. So he's hoping, inshallah, today, you know, she's going to give me, she's going to give me some money to go and buy the ice cream. While at the same time, he has that fear that the ice cream van is going to get off, sah? Because it's not owned by his father. He's not going to just wait for Muhammad to come out running for the ice cream. And likewise, the guy who's traveling, a bit like myself, who's always late for his travels. Huh? I'm always between hope and fear. I hope that I'm going to, inshallah ta'ala, get on the flight, while at the same time I have the fear that the checkout is going to be closed. I think the last three times I traveled, I just about made it. Huh? So you're always between what? Mutaqallibayna. خوف ورجاء نعم حب وتوحيد ومن خاف لجاء حب وتوحيد from the traits and characteristics when it comes to the uh, the relationship with Allah عز وجل so far he's going through the traits you have or the traits one should beautify and adorn himself with when it comes to his relationship with who? with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and I will speak inshallah ta'ala later about your relationship with the Prophet sallallahu and then also your mother huh? and then the creation as a whole. Hubbin wa tawheedin He says having hub, loving Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but those who truly love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who do they always put first? Allah azza wa Allah is number one in your life. You make him what? You make him the most important priority from the moment you wake up all the way till the moment you go to sleep. Wadih. And perhaps because of that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to take, a, take care of your affairs. Sometimes the first, time, the first thing that crosses our minds when we wake up is what? How can I increase the numbers on my bank account, right? 
صح؟ I'm wrong to say that. How can I increase my Barclays bank account? صح؟ Did you know guys, the way most people look at life is actually the opposite of what the Prophet told us. هل تعلمون هذا؟ مثلا صلى الله عليه وسلم يسد من كانت الدنيا همه فرق الله عليه أمره وجعل فقره بين عينيه Whoever makes the dunya his main priority يعني you wake up how can I now make more and more money Is there anything wrong with making money guys? There's no problem with it whatsoever Allah says in the Quran وَلَا تَنْسَ نَصِيبَكَ مِنَ الدُّنْيَا Don't forget your fair portion of the dunya Ibn Kathir says مِنَ الْمَأْكُولَاتِ وَالْمَشْرُوبَاتِ وَالْأُمُورَ الْمُبَاحَةِ From the things that you eat, the things that you drink and also the things that are permissible So there's no harm in acquiring from the dunya Okay, that which is going to assist your hereafter However, the moment you wake up, all you're thinking about is How can I increase the numbers on my bank account? This is when you're going to miss out on a lot I'm not saying that's haram Huh? Or they're going to leave the religion of Islam with that However, what I am saying is You are really missing out And you're probably just going to go in circles all day long They call it the box life, صح? Huh? Well, you work throughout the whole month At the end of the month, what happens? After you've paid all of your bills You barely have anything left for yourself Especially in London Especially in London Where everything is so expensive صح? MashaAllah, I always hear about the, uh, the The Londoners who suffer the most Huh? Unless you're Bengali, MashaAllah The Bengalis are the rich ones Huh? Allahu Akbar طيب So going back to what I was saying وَمَنْ كَانَتِ الدُّنْيَا هَمَّهُ فَرَّقَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ أَمْرَ وَجَعَلَ فَقْرَهُ بَيْنَ عَيْنِهِ Whoever makes the dunya his main priority Allah Azza wa Jal will make everything in his life fall apart And will place poverty in his heart You might ask yourself the question Okay, all of these kuffar, they're so rich, they're so wealthy Faqar only doesn't mean having that money huh? It can also mean As Allah mentions Ya ayyuhal nasu antumul fuqara ilallah Oh people, you are Fuqara to Allah, look the word faqar was used which means normally what? Poverty But it also means to be in need So all of these individuals who might have money, they are in need of what? They are in need of Allah Azza in their lives They don't have that contentment, they are spiritually empty Wadih guys? So they are poor in their hearts Crying out for that contentment that will bring you happiness And that is if you have Allah Azza in your life Fashahid min al-kalam Allah Azza wa Jal will place poverty in that individual's or in between that individual's eyes. And the only thing that's going to come to him from the dunya is that which is? Which was written down for you. Because we know that your rizq, your provision can increase and can decrease as well. But then here comes the next part of the hadith that I think every single one of you guys should write down. Whoever makes the hereafter his main priority. What does that mean? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala always comes first in your life. You wake up, how can I better my relationship with Allah Azza wa Jal? Again guys, with your mentality and how you approach life, it could either bring you so much good or it could cause you to miss out on so much. Wallahi al-Azim. Are you with me guys? You wake up, how can I get close to Allah? There's no harm. And it's not haram to take from the dunya or to work in order to provide for your family. 
or to take from the dunya that which is going to assist you hereafter. Wallahi, this is something that is what? Required. And this really shows if one truly loves Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Or as to whether that which you love the most is what? Ad-dolarat wal-bawnat wal-yurawat. The dollars, the pounds and the euros that we chase after. There's a verse in the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Imam Ahmad rahimahullah ta'ala, he called it the verse of examination. What is this verse? Does anyone know? The statement of Allah in Surah Al Imran. Say to Imam Muhammad, if they really love Allah, follow me, fattabi'uni. Yuhbibkum Allah and Allah azza wa jal will love you. Wadih. If they really love Allah Azza wa Jal, then you will do what we take from this is that you do what Allah Azza wa Jal told you to do. That is the main priority in your life. And by that, Allah is going to take, a fair, take, take, take a control of your affairs. I can sit there all day long, I hold a banner, I love Allah. All day long I hold, I'll stand outside. You know how they sometimes stand outside holding something? I need money. Huh? You hold a paper, I love Allah Azza wa Jal. Wallah, hada la yufiduki shayan. In essence, that doesn't what? Benefit you in any way, shape or form. That which is required of you, that test your love of Allah Azza wa Jal is to do the things that He told you to do and to prioritize Him when you find yourself in that predicament where there is people calling you to haram. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, don't do this, Muhammad. Don't do this, Ya Abdullah. Don't do this, Ya Fatima. Who are you going to choose? Who are you going to prioritize? And you know what, guys? It's times like that. Huh? It's times like that. Where Allah will open so many doors. Whoever comes with a taqwa, he is conscious of Allah Azza wa Jal. You're under your blanket, the whispers of the shaitan is telling you to click. But then you turn away from that, Allah is going to open so many doors of wealth and other benefits for your life as well. However, if you let that opportunity get away, huh? if you let that opportunity get away, then you've missed out on maybe so many doors that could have been opened for you. Whether it is you now going for an interview to a job that you really want, but that door is what? Slammed shut in your face. Maybe because of a sin that you committed and you weren't conscious of Allah Azza wa Jal in times like that. That's the way I look at it as. When you're in a predicament, do I do this haram or not? And Allah Azza wa Jal is saying, don't do it, but all your friends are pulling you towards the haram. You say no. You go towards that which Allah Azza told you, you find doors opening up before you, one after the other. However, you commit haram, something that you desperately want that's slammed shut in your face. وَتَوْحِيدْ Singling out Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala The right of Allah azza wa jal upon His servants is that they do not associate partners with Him. واضح? And that means to attribute to other than Allah that which is only exclusive to Him. This is what Tawheed means. Huh? This is what Tawheed is. To attribute to 
to abid in Allah that which is exclusive to him. Wadih guys, ifradullahi bima yakhtassu bihi. To single out Allah Azza wa Jal in that which is exclusive to him. Whether in worship, whether in his rububiyya lordship, to attribute to Abad and Allah that they bring about the rain, that is shirk billahi azza wa jal. To take an act of worship and to divert it to Abad and Allah, it is shirk billahi azza wa jal. طيب. And then he said, وَمَنْ خَافَ نَجَانْ We've already taken that. Next line, Habibi. وَقِّرْ نَبِيَّهُ وَعَظِّمْ سُنَّتَهُ قَدِّمْ عَلَى كُلِّ الْوَرَى مَحَبَّتَهُ In this next line of poetry, he said, وَقِّرْ نَبِيَّهُ وَعَظِّمْ سُنَّتَهُ have respect for your Prophet. وَعَظِّمْ سُنَّةً And also glorify his Sunnah. قَدِّمْ عَلَى كُلِّ الْوَرَى مَحَبَّتَهُ And always put the Messenger ﷺ's love before everyone else. And on that note, inshallah, I'm going to give you guys a five-minute break. I'd rather have the break in between. So you guys huh, can just refresh your minds. And then we'll continue straight after, inshallah ta'ala. As we mentioned before the break, that the uh, author here he mentions, respect your prophet, and also glorify his sunnah, and always prioritize and put forth or put first the love of the Messenger. Umar ibn Khattab one time came to the Prophet وسلم, and he said to him, I love you more than anything except myself. Ya Rasulullah, I love you more than anything except myself. So the Messenger وسلم, said to him, La ya Umar, no. No luck, no Umar. So what did he say to him after? حَتَّى أَكُونَ أَحَبَّ إِلَيْكَ أَحَبُّ إِلَيْكَ مِنْ نَفْسِكَ Until I become more beloved to you than even yourself. So the Messenger of Umar Khattab then said, You are now a messenger of Allah, more beloved to me than my nafs, than myself. So the Messenger of Allah said, Now, this is how you should love me. And again guys, this necessity is what? They always put the Messenger Sallallahu commandments and his prohibitions before everything else. You see? And I put the love of the Messenger Sallallahu first before everyone else. Messenger Sallallahu said in the hadith, لَا يُؤْمِنَ أَحَدُكُمْ حَتَّى أَكُونَ حَبُّهِ إِلَيْهِ مِنْ وَالِدِهِ وَوَلَدِهِ وَالنَّاسِ أَجْمَعِينَ One will not be a true believer until I am more beloved to him than his parents, his children, and all the people all together. You see? Now, even your parents. Sometimes your parents, they might pull you towards doing something that is displeasing to Allah Azza wa Who are you going to pull first? What the Messenger is telling you, right? Those who are very dear to your hearts. Sometimes, and I ask Allah not to test anyone with this, your children might come up to you and they ask you to allow them to do that which is haram. 
anyone as a child knows how difficult it is to sometimes say no to his own kids. Right? It may even be that, Dad, I want you to accept me as a homosexual. Wallahi al-Azim, guys. How many cases have I personally dealt with of a parent calling me, please talk to my son? What do we do? Should we kick him out of the house or shall we accept him? Shall we kick him out or shall we accept him? Or shall we allow him to just stay here? And he's using the emotional card, oh dad, how can you, this is my fitrah. This is my natural disposition. This is how I was born. And then you're trying to kick me out here? And you are now in this predicament now. What do I do? What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his messenger sallallahu want me to do in this kind of situation? What should I say to him? And easily what could happen is what this child is now upon can be what? Huh? Downplayed, undermined. And this is what causes so many individuals in society today to become so watered down. We begin to call for what? Inclusivity. Huh? Tolerance and inclusivity, let everybody do whatever they want and you know, and this and that. Because they've been tested with it, or they know someone has been tested with it, and emotionally now, they begin to what? Undermine and downplay the seriousness of some of these acts. The next line, uh, Hazar. Now, before we uh, move on to the next line, he said also, How should you be as an individual when it comes to the Sunnah of the Messenger? You learned something today. What do you, as Muhammad, as Fatima, as Abdullah, as Ruqayya, as Maryam, do? The one who truly loves the Messenger Sallallahu He takes that which he's learned and then he goes and does what? He applies it straight away. He introduces that practice into his life. Otherwise, whatever you are learning, this is going to become like Haba'an Manthura. It's going to become like scattered particles. If you don't apply it straight away. You see, look at Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu ta'ala and Human. The way he reacted, the way he became so annoyed. He said to his children, and there was the likes of Bilal and Salim sitting there. Salim is narrating the hadith, son of Abdullah ibn Umar. And he said, Do not stop the service of Allah, the female service of Allah as a from going to the masjid. So Bilal hears this, his other son, and he says, Wallahi. By Allah, we are going to stop them from going to the mystic. Wallahi, Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhumah became furious. When he heard his son saying, after he just now uttered the speech of the Prophet sallallahu then his son comes out and he said, by Allah, we're going to stop them. He became very, very furious. Salim says, I've never heard my father insult anyone 
the same way he insulted my brother Bilal on that day. As mentioned in the narration. And he said to him, This is how Abdullah ibn Umar glorified the Sunnah in his heart. And it doesn't warrant this kind of reaction. And that's not how the reaction of a believer should be. I have another nine examples written down. In fact, ten. Huh? No, no, no. I have another eleven examples of how the Sahaba, they reacted very, very quickly to the commandments of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So we're not going to go through them, inshallah, because of the time. Fadda, the next part. The next part of the poetry, guys, it begins to speak about the people that we, okay, come in contact with and how we should treat them and also deal with them. And of course, after the Prophet Sallallahu who is the most important person in your life? Your mother. I went on the famous hadith, Ummuk, 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 right? Your mother, your mother, your mother, and then your father. So here he says, Be obedient to your parents. Treat them well. And fulfill their requests. Tafuz. And you'll be successful. And you'll be successful. There's so many hadith that can be mentioned with regards to the parents, right? I'm just going to mention, inshallah ta'ala, maybe two points very, very quickly. Or should I make it three? First point, guys, a hadith that sometimes, subhanAllah, you know, comes rushing to mind every now and again when I see certain things happen. The Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, from the major sins is one insulting his parents. Look at the companions and the kind of question they asked. He said, Ya Rasulullah, is it possible for someone to insult his parents? Yani this was unheard of. That's why they asked him this question. Is it possible for one to insult his parents in that time? Hey, what about now? When al ajib? When al ajib? Is it really shocking to find someone insulting his parents today? The answer that the Prophet gave to them was what? Naam. It is possible. And look what he said. He never said that. One is going to be insulting his own parents that because that was unheard of in the at that time. Naam. What happens is someone insults your dad. How do you react? By insulting his dad or his mom. And by that you are insulting your own parents. Wallah guys. 
Forget about insulting your parents. We have people who are beating their parents. And it's Kadani. Put your hand up if you've heard of a case of someone beating up his parents. Or putting his hands on his parents. Shall most people. Most people. Second thing that I wanted to mention is something that Abdullah ibn Umar ta'ala witnessed with his own two eyes. Abdullah ibn Umar ta'ala he saw a man doing tawaf around the Kaaba while he was carrying his mom. Doing tawaf around the Kaaba. This man comes to Abdullah ibn Umar ta'ala and he says, Ya Ibn Umar, أَتَرَى أَنِّي جَزَيْتُهَا Do you see, with that which I'm doing now, has allowed me now to fulfill the rights of my mother? Look what his response was. لَا وَلَا بِطَلْقَةٍ وَحِدَةٍ What does طَلْقَةٍ mean? Has anyone ever witnessed his mother or a female family member in labor, put your hand up. You two, three, I think most of you guys are single, huh? huh? He said to him, Not even one talqa. Do you know what talqa is, guys? The pains that a woman goes through when she's in labor. When she's in labor. They call it the contractions. Sah? It's called contractions. It may be sometimes that a woman's in labor for three days. Sometimes even four. And sometimes maybe even longer than that. Are you with me, guys? Imagine that whole three days, she does not sleep. A couple of moments, She's not feeling any pain, and then all of a sudden, she's in so much unbearable pain. And then it stops. A couple of moments go by, maybe a minute, a minute and a half, maybe two minutes, sometimes 30 seconds. Huh? The doctor and the midwife sometimes even says to you that you need to go into this app to calculate how many seconds and minutes are in between each contraction. Wallahi, watching a woman in labor can tear your heart apart. Wallahi al I advise you guys, next time maybe your mom is giving birth, just be around her. Point of the matter is, guys, for a very long time, I did not know how to translate wala bitalqatin wahida. Because I personally, huh, for many years, didn't see a woman giving birth. Until I saw someone giving birth. Imagine for three days, huh? Every couple of minutes, a woman, she starts having these contractions and she's in so much pain. How many times would that happen in 24 hours? Maybe somewhere that we can't count, right? Maybe in one hour, she has maybe 30 times. Maybe even more than that. Imagine for 24 hours. And imagine if that was what? Going on for a couple of days. He said to him, 
ولا بطلقة واحدة not even one contraction subhanallah the fact that you are now carrying your mom going around the Kaaba you haven't even repaid back what? something as one contraction but he said to him but you've done great Indeed, Allah Azza wa Jalla will reward you immensely for something as little as that. No matter what one does, he can never repay back the rights of his mother. With all that which she went through. SubhanAllah, you know the hikmah, the wisdom behind a woman not praying when she has postnatal bleeding. You know, for 40 days after she gives birth, right, she doesn't pray. Perhaps we can say that from the wisdom is behind this is because she's so tired, she her sleeping patterns all over the place, the baby's crying, she's in so much pain, she's so tired. Imagine she had to pray as well. But Allah Azza wa Jal has uplifted that obligation from her to make things easy for her. The point in all of this guys, no matter how old you become, no matter how great your status in society becomes, you are always that little child to your mother. Like you become a sheikh, you're going to turn around and say, I'm a sheikh, man, my parents can't talk to me like that. Oh, Allah. You are always that little child to your mom. No matter how old you become, and she talks to you like a little kid, and sometimes, guys, it can be what? Very hard to deal with. Wallahi. Sometimes parents can be so, like, how can I put this, like, you know, so illogical. What do you do as an individual? Because, you know, there's a big culture barrier, right, between the older generation and the millennials of 2021. Sometimes you want to get a message across and it just seems to be falling on deaf ears. They don't seem to be understanding anything that you're saying. You want to get married? It's chaos. Huh? They want you to marry that sister back home. Go back to Pakistan. Go back to Somalia. And you're thinking to yourself, I'm not going to understand anything she's saying, you know? We're in completely two different... Huh? Your mom was very, very patient with you as a young child. Alisa Kadali. Isn't it time for us to be patient with them? That's what I tell brothers and sisters all the time. But sometimes have to endure such things. She finds a uh, suitable spouse. The dad and mom are saying, no, we want you to get married to a cousin from the same tribe. Huh? Even within the tribe there is certain lines, you know. Not even from this one, we have to go for this one. Be patient with your parents. They were so patient. Why can't we be so patient now? Sometimes they used to beg us to do certain things. Huh? It's time for us now to take some time out to really go out our way to convincing them to be patient. Naam? And number three, what I wanted to mention is in regards to parents who cut you off. Wadih. And this also overlaps with the next part of the line of poetry when he says that you need to have good relations with the kith and kin, yani, your family, relatives. 
Sometimes you find that your parents, they cut you off. They stop picking up the phone. You keep calling and you keep calling, she does not want to pick up the phone. For one reason or the other. What is your obligation as a child? Does that mean, oh, she cut me off, I'm going to cut her off as well? You treat her as if she's your age. Now lie. Just because someone's not fulfilling their rights, that doesn't give you the right to know what? Let go of your rights. Evident. You still have to do that. Even if they are non-Muslims, they are disbelievers, you still have to what? Fulfill your rights. وَإِنْ جَاءَدَاكَ عَلَىٰ أَنْ تُشْرِكَ بِي مَا لَيْسَ لَكَ بِي عِلْمٌ فَلَا تُطِحْهُمَا If they wage war against you and they work towards stripping your religion away from you, then don't follow them. However, وَصَاحِهُمَا فِي الدُّنْيَا مَعْرُوفًا You still have to be good to them in the matters of the dunya. If your parent doesn't pray, or he's maybe committing shirk, you still have to give him his rights as a parent. That obligation is never ever uplifted from you, ever. And you are always that young child that your mother huh, nurtured and brought up. Now, and then he said, Keep good ties with your family relatives. Keep good ties with your family relatives. Now, and whatever I mentioned with regards to parents who cut you off, the same applies here. If your family relatives are cutting you off, that doesn't give you the right to cut them off. As the Prophet said, the best of the two is the one who starts with Salaam. The one who cut the relations, you go and tie it. If someone deprived you of something, Sometimes you need something, someone said, no, I'm not going to give it to you. Then the tables are turned later on down the line. And now he needs something. Oh, time to get revenge. Huh? Is that the way of the believer? It's maybe now an opportunity to be the bigger man, as they say. He deprived you last time round. You now go and what? Do better than him. And then the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi said, Wa'fu. Okay? And pardon those who have oppressed you. Pardon those who have oppressed you. Take the next line. And then he goes on to say, Make sure you honor those who are older than you in age. And also have mercy upon those who are young in age. Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, لَيْسَ مِنَّا لَمْ يَرْحَمْ صَغِيرَنَا وَيُوَقِّرْ كَبِيرَنَا The one who doesn't have mercy upon those who are young in age, this person is not from us. Messenger sallallahu is freeing himself from this individual. And the one who doesn't respect those who are older than him in age. Wadih. The mere fact that he's older than you in age, you should what? Respect him. And not treat him like someone who is younger than you. Wadih. 
Is this, is, does this um, apply to the non-Muslims who are older than us? Sorry, say that again. You see this thing about having honor for those who are older than us. Does it also, also apply to non-Muslims who are not our family members who are older than us? For example, colleague who's 15, 20 years older than me. Does it also apply to them? Allah. Okay. Also, the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said in another hadith, إِنَّ مِنْ إِجْلَالِ اللَّهِ إِنَّ مِنْ إِجْلَالِ اللَّهِ إِكْرَامًا لِشَيْبَةِ الْمُسْلِمِينَ وَحَامِلَ الْقُرْآنِ Part of you honoring Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, okay, and glorifying Allah azza wa jal, is to respect and to hold in high esteem the one who has white hairs, the one who is old in age, and also حَامِلَ الْقُرْآنِ the one who is carrying the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What that necessitates, guys, is sometimes you might be getting into the car, okay? And there's only, what, one front seat or one passenger seat in the front. And who goes first? Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, Atani Jibreel fa'amarani an uqaddim al-akabira. Jibreel came to me and he commanded me to give precedence to who? Those who are older in age. You, because of your age, sit in the back. Sometimes you're in a sitting and there's a number of, uh, number of spokesmen. Huh? Everyone wants to speak, okay? However, everyone's being given goals. Who should go first? The one who's older in age. The food is being served. Who should you serve first? The one who's older in age. The one who? is older in age. And then if you want to start from the right. Uh-huh. And start from the right. Also in the hadith of Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was one time using his siwak. He was using his siwak and then two people sitting with him. فَأُوحِيَ إِلَيْهِ Revelation came down to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and Kabbir Akbar that he should give the siwak to who? The one who's older. The next trait, guys, the next trait and quality is to give help and assistance to the weak and then those who are poor. Helping the poor and those who are in need, guys, is a reason why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala again is going to open many doors for you. Whether it is you using your wealth, Allah Azawajal is going to increase your wealth. The fact that they make dua for you after you have helped and aided them, Wallahi, this is something that is priceless. Sometimes these old, weak people, they remember, so-and-so helped me on that day and then they make a dua from the heart in your absence. Wallahi, it could be the reason why your life changes for the better. Take this from me, guys. One dua. وَهَلْ تُرْزَقُونَ إِلَّا بِدُعَى فَاِلْكُمْ As the Messiah said, Isn't it that you're only being provided for because of the weak amongst you? The fact that you're helping them and assisting them is the reason why Allah is going to increase you in vision. And look at the Messiah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. You know how we sometimes turn around and say, I'm too busy. I've got too many things to do. Hope from amongst us can say, 
that he is more busy than the Prophet Messenger Wasallam had at one time nine wives. Huh? Today, mashallah, one wife is equivalent to huh? five or six, huh? Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was the chief commander. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was also the chief commander. He was also the mufti. He was the khatib. He was the imam. He was all of this. And he was also the one who was distributing the zakawat. In charge of kulli sagheeratin wa kabira. Everything that was happening around him. He would come to him, Ya Rasulullah, what should we do? Ya Rasulullah, is this the best thing to do, and so on and so forth. While at the same time, huh, he finds the time to do this for this disabled lady. As it came in the hadith of Anas ibn Maliki radiallahu ta'ala anhu. There was a woman who had some deficiency in her aql, in her intellect. فقالت, ya Rasulullah, she said, O oh, Messenger of Allah, inna li ilayka haja. There is something that I need from you. فقال يا أم فلان O mother of so-and-so انظري أي السكك شئتي Take me wherever you need to go. حتى أقضي لك حاجتك So I can fulfill your need for you. فخلا معها في بعض الطرق حتى فرغت من حاجتها Messenger sallallahu alayhi stayed with her until she finished whatever she needed to do. This is our Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi Also another hadith, Masul Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam had shay'in qad, faqala la. There's never he was ever asked for except, or there's never ever that he was asked for something that he ever said no. He would always try to fulfill it to the best of his ability. Also the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, أَحَبُّ النَّاسِ إِلَى اللَّهِ أَنْفَعُهُمْ لِلْخَلْقِ the most beloved people to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are those who are most beneficial for the people. Huh? And the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he then said, He's going through some difficulty and you have the ability to remove that from him. Whether it is that he is now suffering from jinn possession, you go and read Rukhi on him, you're now relieving him. Or whether you come to find out that there are some issues between couples, and you have the ability to go and sort this out. You find out that someone is suffering financially. You go and help him out. He has some debt. You pay that debt for him. Or you remove the hunger from him. And the most beloved actions to Allah are those actions that bring happiness into your brother's heart. And he mentioned these three things that I just mentioned. And then look what he said. That I accompany my brother to help him in his needs is more beloved to me, is more beloved to me than doing ihtikaf in this masjid for a whole month. Which masjid? The Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam's masjid. Where one salah is equivalent to what? A thousand. Salawat. 
He's saying that I go with my brother and I help him in his need. Sometimes you turn around, Akhi, this guy only ever calls me when he needs something. Sah? Sometimes crosses our minds, right? He only ever calls me when he needs something. Ahmad Rabbak. Thank you, Lord, that you've been given the opportunity to help the people due to you being blessed with some sort of skill or some sort of ability that others don't have. It's an invitation now to engage in such a great ibadah and to become from those who are what? Most beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He's saying, Alhamdulillah, wonderful opportunity. Let me go and now huh? grab this reward that beckons. Right. The next line. And I said, وَكُنْ شُجَاعًا صَابِرًا كَرِيمًا وَشَاكِرًا وَفَطِنًا حَلِيمًا You guys tired? Huh? لَا يُسْتَطَاعُ الْعِلْمُ بِرَاحَةِ الْجَسَدِ As Yahya ibn Abi Kathir mentioned, you are not going to attain knowledge with the relaxation of the body. Because Allah is tiring. The Shaykh of Al-Mashayr, Muhammad bin Hadi al-Wadi, I used to say, if I was able to take this knowledge and then pour it into your mouth the same way you would pour milk, I would have done that. But the only way the knowledge is going to be attained is what? Through the scraping of the knees and the scraping of the elbows. And wallahi guys, the amount of khair, the amount of benefit you will taste in your life, in this dunya before the hereafter, is something that you can't point to what? The honor that Allah Azza wa gives you. The honor that Allah Azza wa gives you because of the knowledge that you come with. The legacy that you leave behind because you taught someone, maybe even one hadith, that he then goes and teaches someone else. All of this you are storing for that time when you're going to need it the most, the hereafter. One time we're sitting in the haram, just Imam Al-Hayli is teaching us. It seemed that he was being a bit too technical and it was being a little bit too overwhelming for the students. So what he did was, he got the kitab, he closed it, he put it down and he said to the students, Al-ilm thaqeel. This ilm is very heavy. And those who are patient are only who? A few. And those who become scholars are only what? A minority within a minority. You see? Imam Bukhari, when he traveled to Basra, right? SubhanAllah. You know, back in the day, guys, they didn't have Virgin Atlantic, they didn't have Ittihad Airways. Huh? They would take the Ba'ir, the camel, and then they would خلاص, hit the road. Huh? Even subhanAllah, when they used to go out on Hajj, mm-hmm. the previous times, what they would do, they would divorce their wives and they would distribute the inheritance because they didn't know whether they would come back or not. Because of all the troubles that they might run into in traveling. There's a lot of highway bandits as well huh? who might die getting to Hajj or going to the other side of the world because you want to seek knowledge. 
Why would they divorce their wives and distribute the inheritance? Allah, you know, if I die, then خلاص, يعني, there's no مشكله. You guys are not going to fight over the wealth. I'm just deal with this once and for all, you know? And if I go and I come back, I might take you guys back. Hakala. But the point is, point is, when traveling guys, they would incur so many difficulties. Some of the people of hadith of the past, they drank their urine. Do you know that, guys? On their way to Qalab al-Amlish, why would he drink his urine? Out of what? Out of necessity. You are allowed to drink urine out of necessity. You're going to die in the only uh, liquid that you have in order to quench your thirst is urine and be it. Guys, my friend is funny, huh? Why? Because they really badly wanted this knowledge. Imam Bukhari rahimahullah ta'ala, he seeks knowledge in Basra, which is in Iraq. Imagine, guys, he goes missing. All the students are asking, where's the Bukhari? They go looking for him, they find him what? At home, naked. No clothes. Nesh? Huh? You guys are laughing, mashallah. Huh? Nesh? He sold all of his clothes because he needed money to live. These are the struggles they were going through. Just so they can what, attain this knowledge. What is knowledge going to do for you? It's going to allow you to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the best possible way. And it comes with a lidna, a sweetness that subhanAllah, some of the scholars of the past, what did they say about this lidna? One time Abdullah ibn Barak, I believe it's him, they were sitting at a river and they had a piece of bread. They started dipping it inside of the river. And the bread that became hard. Huh? Dipping it in order to soften it up so he can eat it. And then he looks at his companion and says, If only the kings and their children knew the contentment and the peace that we have in our hearts, they would have sliced us up with their swords. Wallahi ilm gives you that contentment and gives you that peace. To have that insight, I know how to worship Allah. The moment I have a difficulty, right? Or something arises, I know how to deal with it. Someone in my family passes away, I know how to deal with it because I have the instruction of the Prophet I lose my job, I know how to deal with it. I feel sad, I know the reasons behind it because it's what Allah Azza told me. As opposed to those who don't. They're just in darkness and they can't seem to be able to navigate in and around this darkness and they find themselves in. This is right, inshallah. We've only got a little bit left. Can you repeat the saying by Yahya ibn Kathir? You are not going to attain knowledge with the relaxation of the body. Here it says, وَكُنْ شُجَاعًا Be somebody who is brave. Be somebody who is what? Brave. Sometimes, guys, you're going to find yourself in a situation where people are doing that which is wrong and then you have to say something in order to prevent that evil. And Allah is not easy. It could put the relationship of your loved ones on the line. Sometimes even your mom, you see your mom doing something wrong, you want to tell her, 
You're literally sweating on how you're going to tell her so she doesn't become offended. Arafat. So you have to, of course, deal with it one way or the other because at the end of the day, it is out of care and concern for her. You're saving her. Sometimes you're amongst your friends and they are backbiting. They are backbiting. They are backbiting others and your friends are very dear to you. And then you turn around, guys, no, you shouldn't say that. That can be so difficult, guys. What did Abi Sa'id al Khudr ta'ala anhu say? I had the Messenger say, La yamna'anna ahadakum haybatun nasi an yaqula fi haqqin ila ra'ahu aw sami'ahu aw shahida. Don't let the fear that you may have for others stop you from speaking the truth. When you see it, when you hear it, or when you witness it. You know, Abu Sayyid al-Khudi radiallahu ta'ala, he said, I wish I never heard that. And in some other narrations, he was crying, crying, crying. Because we were found ourselves in so many of these instances that we didn't say anything. However, guys, as we're going to come into, inshallah ta'ala, uh, in a moment, there is a way to go about huh, giving that advice. Don't be the reason why people are chased away from the religion because of how you go about propagating the truth. After mentioning shuja'an, he says fa'biran. Be someone who's very patient. Because when advising and when speaking the truth, you might run into a lot of problems, a lot of harm. The people that you thought maybe when the ones who care about you the most, it might be that they start cutting you off. And at the end of the day, you are doing that which is most beneficial for them. So he's saying what? Be patient. Be patient. Kareeman, and also be someone who is what? Generous. Be someone who is generous. Washakiran, be someone who is what? Thankful. If someone who is thankful, when somebody does something for you, be thankful. This is from the lofty characteristics. If somebody teaches you, then be thankful. Somebody helped you in doing something, be thankful. Now, and he will speak a little bit, inshallah ta'ala, when he uh, begins to discuss uh, the ethics of the teacher and also the muta'allim, the one who is taking knowledge from the teacher. Some of the etiquettes later on, bi'adhnillahi ta'ala. Wafatinan, and also be someone who is smart and intelligent. Be someone who is what? Smart and intelligent. Huh? How can you be smart and intelligent? Look what Ali ibn Talib radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he mentioned. When speaking to the dunya, he said, Ghurri, ghayri, try to deceive and there is other than me. I've divorced you three times. Huh? As Abi Ishaq al-Ilbi says when speaking about the smart and intelligent individuals. A smart and intelligent individual, he divorces the dunya thrice. Huh? 
What is the difference between divorcing a woman once and divorcing a woman thrice? Huh? After the first or the second, you can take her back. However, after three times, can you take her back? Khalas. So I need to be part of the divorce in the dunya three times. Meaning, I can't. You're not going to benefit me. Huh? After you divorce a woman three times, khalas. Can't take her back unless she gets married, they have sexual intercourse, and then? No. Then gets divorced. And you know, guys, when we say all the time, the dunya, the dunya, the dunya, let me make something very clear. There is no harm taking from the dunya that is going to aid and assist you that. There is no harm in that. However, if that which you are chasing after is going to occupy you from Allah Azza wa Jal, is this thing khair for me or is it bad for me? Of course it's bad for me. It's not good for me. It's a distraction. And all of these are just beautifications of the dunya. So you really need to ask yourself, okay, when you wake up now and then you get on your bike in order to acquire from worldly matters, is this now helping me or is this actually distancing me away from Allah Azza wa And by that you know which direction you're going. Wadah. What time is Maghrib? 912 and the one before that is what? Halima. Al-Hilmu wal-Anat. This individual, this companion, Al-Shajah ibn al-Qayyid, the Prophet said to him, you have two traits that Allah Azza wa Jal daily loves. First one was what? Al-Hilm. What does Al-Hilm mean? Al-Dabtu al-Nafsi wal-Tab'a inda hayyajan al-Ghadab. It is to keep control of yourself. When your anger is about to spiral out of control. That's what the means. Wadih? To hold yourself together. We all get angry, but who is the best of those who gets angry? The one who is able to hold it together. Wadih? The one who is able to hold it together, huh? Is the whole of anger only? Okay? And the Messenger taught us how to diffuse that fury. Huh? I have a lecture online, if you want to, inshallah, go through that, right? That's really, you know, the prophetic advice of anger management. It's better than joining maybe, huh? These, uh, these programs when they talk about anger management. Yeah, you might get some benefit from it. However, Nobody can tell you like the one who has experience. And listen, sallallahu whatever he is telling us, Nobody can tell you better than that. And he's a, speciality, a specialist in that field. I think I mentioned, what, seven or so things to do upon getting angry. And how will diffuse your angry, uh, anger. And because of your anger, well, I can destroy your life. How many people do we know because a moment of anger, a moment of madness, guys got 20, 30 years in prison. Hmm? 
And that also happened in the time of the Prophet wasallam. A man became angry with his companion, he took an axe and he hit it on the side of his head, and he killed him. So when the Messiah wasallam asked him, he goes, oh, he got me angry. He got me angry. Good. It's a very good question. What does the hadith mean? Or the other way around, right? The way you're going to attain knowledge is by learning. Huh? And practicing that. And trying it. And you keep trying it. And by that, you're going to what? Attain knowledge. It's a little bit, or the best way I can maybe put it is weights. Can you pick up 30 kilos the first time you go to the gym? Huh? Has anyone ever done that? Huh? MashaAllah. Huh? Thank you, Zubik Dramas. Huh? Allahu Akbar. Allahu You can give these guys training, huh? MashaAllah. Tayyip. guys. And memorization is like that as well. Practice makes perfect. So, we in the middle you keep practicing and then you end up attaining the knowledge. And likewise, when it comes to hilm, huh, you have to go through that process of practicing and you know training yourself before you can have that hilm. It's not just, in most cases, going to happen overnight. Okay, of course, there's people who Allah has instilled these traits and characteristics into. How does others that, you know, learn it and then they become very righteous um, Individuals with these wonderful traits and characteristics. And then with that, Anatin. Father Azhar. With that, Anatin, Wahayatin, Wakufi, Wakun Amin, and Wakalaba, I was to be. That was the second attribute that the Messiah said to Ashaja Amin Qais that he has, which is beloved to Allah Azza wa Jal. Anat, what does Anat mean? Anat means to take things slowly. Not to rush into doing things. Father, guys, to take things what slowly, and not to rush into making decisions. There's people as soon as they hear something, oh, let's, let's do it. And he doesn't know huh, the implications of that which he is now going forth and wanting to do. Now, so thinking things over. When you're about to say something, when you're about to do something. Take a moment out to just think about what you're about to do. Don't just rush into doing things. Even the Messiah Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, I believe, said, وَلَا تَكُونُ إِشْ عُجُلًا Do not be individuals who are hasty. مَدَايِعَ As soon as they hear about something, they go and announce it to the people. Huh? Like the Ru'ibillah. He hears about something, he's announcing it on YouTube already. Are you discussing it? Are doing a video on it? Take your time. Take into consideration the evils and the benefits that would come out of a particular action. Well, guys, even the poet he says, "Ta'ni wa la ta'jil bilawmika sahiba, la'alla lahu udrun wa anta talum." Take your time. Huh? Do not rush to blaming your brother. Sometimes you see he done something. And then you jump on him straight away. That's in Ta'ani taking your time is from Allah, and the ajal is from what? It's from shaitan. Hate is from shaitan. Perhaps your brother 
might have an excuse that you're not aware of. While you are now placing blame on him. Are you guys with me? How often do we jump on someone who might be doing something and we don't know the background history behind it? And then we say, oh, oh, no, I It's a little bit too late now, often the damage has already been done. Jameel. Where were we? Right. The next trait I was mentioned is having haya, having shyness. Shyness can sometimes be blameworthy when it comes to knowledge. You ask. And don't be shy in asking. Don't be shy in asking. Umm Salam radiallahu ta'ala anha, she narrates that Umm Salam radiallahu ta'ala anha, she came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Ya Rasulullah, Inna Allah la yastahi min al-haq. Allah has not shy in the truth. فَهَلْ عَلَى الْمَرْأَةِ الْغُسْرِ لَحْتَلَمَتِ Does a woman have to have a purificatory bath, a ghusl, when she has a wet dream? Umm Salama did this. And how can she ask questions like that? Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, نَعَمْ إِذَا رَأَتِ الْمَاءِ If she sees that the place is wet, yes, she has to have a bath. Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, she said, نِعْمَ النِّسَاءُ the best of the women are the women of the Ansar. Shyness didn't stop them from getting an understanding in the religion. They would ask. As Mujahid said, two people don't learn. Two people don't learn. The shy one and also who? The arrogant one. Because the shy one is always what? Shy. Oh, I don't want to ask. And then the arrogant one who thinks he knows it all. But it may be sometimes that you're shy. You don't personally want to ask that question. Okay? There's a way around it. What's the way around it? I'm asking someone else to ask on your behalf. Where do you get this from? Ali ibn Talib He said, كنت رجلا مذاء فاستحييت فمرت المقدار يسأل النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم I was someone who was suffering from excessive urethral discharge. She guys know what that means? She translated it. Huh? Urethral discharge is midi. That fluid that comes out at the beginning of sexual intercourse when becoming aroused. You have that, and you also have a mini, which comes out at the end of when one relieves himself or at the end of sexual intercourse. So Ali ibn Yutayb is saying that he used to have excessive urethral discharge and we know that's a nijis, it's impure, you need to wash it in doing wudu when that comes out of your private part. So he said, I was shy. Why was he shy? Because he's the uh, son-in-law of the Prophet And that normally comes out when huh? coming aroused and being with your wife and fondling with her when, you know, and so on and so forth. So now, he goes to the Prophet وسلم, he's indirectly saying, Ya Rasulullah, when I fondle with your daughter, okay, then this comes out. And that's not necessarily appropriate, you see what I'm saying? So he asks who? Mi'dad to ask on his behalf. So the Prophet said, Naam, fihi al-wudu wa ghsil dhakarak. You have to make wudu, you also have to wash your private part. 
when it comes to ilm, it is not praiseworthy. You ask. When you use kinayat, sometimes you don't get a bit too overly graphical. Huh? You ask maybe in a way where smart individual, he can understand what you're saying. Okay? Now, however, generally speaking, shyness is an attribute that is not just specific to who? Women. Also, men need to be shy. Also, men need to be shy. When around the opposite gender, the moment that veil of shyness disappears, guys, or is removed, Wallahi, one thing will lead to another and one will lose complete control. When you look at the hadith in Al-Ba'in Al-Nawriyah, If you don't have any shyness, then do as you will. As well as they mentioned two explanations. Number one, this is a tahdeed. The explanation to this hadith is that this is a threat. If you don't have shyness, watch what's going to happen to you. Go and do what you want and see what happens. That's what it means. The second explanation to this is, it's a veil that is protecting you from so much fahisha, shyness. If one is shy, okay, and he stays away from the opposite gender, is he likely to fall into fahisha? Because he's shy, right? Men and women, صح? However, if he's no longer shy, he just completely loses control of himself, the way he deals and interacts with the opposite gender. And you guys with me? What happens? One thing is going to lead to another, he's going to be committing zina, and his life is just going to what? Go downhill. Is that clear so far? Jameel. Have you guys heard of the story of Musa when he got married? Huh? In Surah Al-Qasas. When he was at the well, and then there was two women there. Huh? She came up to Musa one of them, and she was shy. Huh? And she said, my father wants to reward you for that which you did for us. Because he got water for them, because... There were so many people crowding the well and they were standing there by themselves out of shyness, not wanting to intermingle with those that were standing around the well. The question that the scholars they pose is, what caused Musa to give up eight years of his life? Or should I say ten? Because he ended up completing it. Okay? When the daughter was offered to him, right? إني أريد أن أمكحك إحدى ابنتي هاتين على أن تأجرني ثمانية حجج. I'll give you one of my daughters, with the condition that you work for me for eight years. If you want to complete ten years, it's up to you. And then the father said to her, said to him, I don't want to make things difficult for you. It's up to you whether you want to do eight or ten years. الشاهد he gave up eight years of his life, or should I say ten years of his life? For what? What did he see in this woman that caused him to give up ten years of his life? And I was mentioned in the Quran. This was the attribute that was mentioned in the Quran. Wallah guys. Yeah. What was that? She came to Musa, 
So I say to the brothers, when you look for a wife, one of the first attributes you'll be looking at is what? Shyness. And likewise the women. One attribute that you should be what? Huh? Adorning and beautifying yourself is what? Is a shyness. By the way, guys, who was the father? Was it Shu'ayb? Huh? Some said yes, some said no. It was actually the uh, cousin or the brother of uh, or the cousin of Shaib, huh? or Ibn Akhi, or his cousin. Uh, the message that we're trying to take from this is wadih. The next attribute that is mentioned is, and then I'm going to give you guys, inshallah, a couple of minutes break. What fuqi? He's somebody who is soft and gentle. He's somebody who is what? Soft and gentle. Guys, we're living in a time where we have, to, we have to expect, we have to prepare ourselves mentally that someone who's very dear to our hearts from our family members could wake up tomorrow and say, Ya Muhammad, I'm homosexual, I'm gay. This is the reality, guys, and I'm being very, very frank, and I'm frank with you guys. The Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, Min ashrat al-sa'an yaqil al-ilm wa yadhar al-jahl wa yadhar al-zina. From the signs of the hour is what? That ilm becomes less, jihad, ignorance becomes so widespread, and zina becomes prevalent, widespread. Are you guys with me? Today we have, let alone zina, we have homosexuality, okay, that is so widespread. Am I wrong to say this, guys? And we're living amongst the non-Muslims. You're not back in Somalia or back in Africa, back in Pakistan, where you start getting violent in order to deal with issues like that. That's not going to work. That's not going to work. And you using that method is only going to what? Bring you more problems. So how are you going to deal with a daughter coming to you and saying, okay, I'm trans? Wallahi, guys. How many parents have uh, phoned me saying, please, can you come and talk to my daughter, can you talk to, me, talk to my son? Man, I must not. And now which is even more than that is a daughter bringing a Catholic guy home or dad, this is uh, Michael. Uh, or the brother he brings home who? Jane? Charlotte? And he says, oh dad, you know, um, we're engaged. Or we're dating. What can you do? Remember guys, Fir'aun. Fir'aun. Uh, who was Fir'aun? He was the man who claimed, I'm your Lord the Most High. Which one is worse? Homosexuality? Being gay? Trans? Or claiming that I'm your Lord the Most High? 
He wasn't even associating him. He was saying, I am your Lord. Uh, the Mushrikeen of Quraysh, they were falling into shirk. Uh, but they weren't going around saying, I am your Lord, O Muhammad. Fir'aun, he said to Musa, Ana Rabbukum ala. Ana, I am your Lord, the Most High. What did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say to Musa and Harun when he sent them to Fir'aun? Aqula lahu qawlan layyina la'allahu yitadakkaru aw yakshar. Speak to him in a gentle manner. La'allahu yitadakkaru. So he may take heed. And he starts fearing his will. If Allah commanded with this with regards to an action like that, then these also require us to be what? Soft and take things easy. Otherwise, what happens now? You go, you get angry, you kick her out of the house. Huh? I'm not talking about when you've been advising someone for so long. Huh? And sometimes something can be very painful if you see someone who's corrupting another in your household. If you're corrupt and you're bad and that sticks with you and remains with you, that's a different story than someone else's what? Corrupting another family member. Anyways, man, it does not. You go crazy, use harshness. Allah, Mr. Michael is just going to take her. And he's going to run off with him. And that's the reality. And that has happened many, many times. I know some extended relatives, that's exactly what happened. And then she ended up having so many kids with the guy because she moved in with him. And her deen went with it as well. That note, inshallah, is 43 past. And we have uh, another how many lines? Got another, another 20 lines. Inshallah, we're going to be a little bit quicker. We're going to finish on time, be like that. And I'll hold you guys for your patience. So uh, it's 44 uh, past. We'll give you guys five minutes. 49 past inshallah ta'ala will commence up to Maghrib and then we will conclude after Maghrib inshallah ta'ala. Okay, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. The next trait that the Shaykh mentions here is وَكُنْ أَمِينًا Be someone who can be trusted. Be someone who can be trusted. Be trustworthy. Okay? How often do we hear, guys, someone after entrusting you with some information, huh? someone else comes to you, please tell me. Huh? Wallahi, I'm not going to tell anyone. Wallahi. And then he tells him. And another person comes. Wallahi, I'm not going to tell anyone. Say, Wallahi, I'm not going to tell anyone. And then he tells him. It turns into what? Chinese whispers. One piece of information is being related to this person, and then he what? Just keeps spreading. And in, in reality, that individual entrusted you. Anas ibn Malik radiallahu ta'ala anhu, and I really want you guys to focus on this hadith, right? He said, Atani al-Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa ana al-abu ma'al ghilman. The Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam came to me and I was playing with my friends. فَبَعَثِ النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ فِي حَاجَتِهِ 
and he sent me to go and do something. فأبطأت على أمي and then I came home late. So his mom, Anas ibn Malik radiallahu ta'ala anhu, okay, his mother asked him, why were you late? As any responsible mother would do, right? His response was, the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sent me fi hajatin. So she asked, ma hajatuh? Anas ibn Malik radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he said, innaha sir. It is a secret. What was the response of his mother? Wallah, I'm not going to tell anyone. Was that the response? La. The response was, لا تخبرن بسر رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم أحدا. Don't tell anyone about the secret of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم. يعني أحدا هنا نكرت في سياق النفي تفيد العموم. والنكرات في سياق النفي. تُعْتِ الْعُمُومَ أو سِيَاقِ النَّهِ As the Sa'di mentions in his قَوَعْدُ الْفِخِيَةِ أحد means here no one Not the wall, not the hajar, not your mom, not your wife Sometimes you find that the husband He tells his wife everything Everything he tells her But he won't tell his friends but he tells his wife هذا غلط هذا If he says to you or somebody entrusts you now with a piece of information that means you don't tell anyone, including your parents and including your spouse. Wadih guys, this is the etiquette of a believer. And just to give you guys also a piece of advice. Huh? At the end of the day, if you allow something to come out of your mouth about your private life, then at the end of the day, you can't necessarily blame everyone other than yourself. You can't blame anyone other than Yourself, because at the end of the day, where did it come out from? It came out of your own mouth. Alayhi sallallahu Bala. Wadih. That's why Ibn Jawzi rahimahullah ta'ala, he says, Kullu khabarin tajawaz athnayni fahuwa shaya. Any piece of information that reaches two people, or that, huh, passes through more than two people, then expect it to be widespread. Don't think that this is now going to what? Stay as a... Secret. I think that's a very powerful statement that I really personally benefit from. Any piece of information that goes past two individuals expected to be widespread. Someone told me once, huh? If two people find out, how many people find out? No, no, no. Look carefully, guys. Eleven. Huh? The moment two people find out, how many people have found out? Eleven. And at the end of the day, you can't blame anyone except yourself. Because it left your mouth. Yes, he shouldn't be spreading around secrets, but at the end of the day, who did it initially come out from? It came out from you. Wadih. Guys, there's so much that I want to go through. Like on each point, but الوقت الوقت. طيب. And then he says وتواضع. Be someone who is humble. And I'm going to stand over this for a moment. التواضع يا إخوة. Here, this is a commandment. وتواضع. And the master is وتواضع. Being humble is a 
wonderful trait that will raise an, indiz- uh, an individual in this dunya before the hereafter. Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, what did he say? وَمَا تَوَاضَ أَحَدٌ إِلَّا رَفَعَهُ The more an individual humbles himself, the more Allah will, will raise him, right? If you want to be honored by the people, and, then, and for them to look at you بِعَيْنِ الْوِقَارِ With respect. Huh? He's someone who's humble. No matter how many qualifications you earned. No matter how many things you've memorized. If you're walking on the face of this earth thinking to yourself, I am better than that individual because I memorized or I studied X, Y, and Z, then know that you are wadi'ah. You are a very low individual. That's why I daimanakul ikhwa. Huh? Don't ever walk past an individual thinking that you might be more pious than him because you have a beard and because you attend this class and because you have your thobe uh, above your ankles. Wallahi al-Azim. He could have an act of worship that he does in secret uh, that completely outplays anything that you come with. And because of that, and because of that act of worship that he does in secret that only Allah Azza wa knows about. That only who? Allah Azza wa knows about. He has a very special place before Allah Azza wa Well, guys, there's even a very well-known quote. How often are there individuals who are not known on the face of this earth, but they are very well-known to Allah Azza wa they're not on social media, they don't have Instagram, they're not the popular da'i. However, before Allah Azza wa Jal, he's ma'loom. He is ma'loom. There is four traits that I'm going to mention with regards to at-tawadah, very, very quickly. Number one, when it comes to humbling yourself, okay? You cannot be humble if you can't take the advice that someone younger than you gives you. And you'll be missing out on this wonderful trait. Number one. Tayyip, Fudayl ibn Iyad, when he was asked about at-tawadu', about being humble, his response was, أَن تَخْضَعَ لِلْحَقِّ وَتَنْقَادَ لَهُ That you lower yourself for the truth and that you submit to it. وَلَوْ سَمِعْتَهُ مِنْ أَجْهَلِ النَّاسِ قَبِلْتُهُ مِنْ even if he was to hear this now from the most ignorant of people, he accepted from him. And then look what he says. وَلَوْ سَمِعْتَهُ مِنْ صَبِيٍ قَبِلْتُهُ مِنْ Even if you were to hear it now from a sabi, from a child, you accept it from him. You're leading the salah, and then someone who is maybe less huh, than you when it comes to the Qur'an corrects you. Are you going to turn around and say, Akhi, I learned the Qur'an before you were even born. كَمَا سَمِعْنَا There are things that we've heard similar to this. Well, I one time I heard a guy say, huh? You want to teach me about Salafiyah? I know what, I knew what Salafiyah was before you knew what a sandwich was. Well, I heard of my own ears. You hear sometimes parents saying, huh? <laughs> you want to tell me what is right? <laughs> huh? I used to clean your backside and now you want to, you want to, you want to teach me how to make wudu. <laughs> how many times I heard this very statement? I used to clean you, I used to urinate, huh? And now you want to tell me? 
Or they start bringing up your mistakes. This is a Fir'auni characteristic. Someone says, oh, you used to do this before, now you want to tell me what is this? Isn't this what Fir'aun said to Musa? وَفَعَلْتَ فَعَلَتَ كَالَّذِي فَعَلْتَ وَأَنْتَ مِنَ الْكَافِرِينَ You did X, Y, and Z. Huh? After you try to bring the truth to him. Jameel. Number two, guys. You cannot be a humble individual until you can accept the truth from those that you really dislike. Ibn Qayyim, he said, لا تصلح لك درجة التواضع حتى تقبل الحق ممن تعب ومن تبغض مدارج سالكين You will not reach that level of being a humble individual Okay Until you learn to take the truth from those who you love And those who you hate Wadah guys Number three Someone wronged you even if you feel like that, you know, he did a huge thing. He comes and apologizes. It's upon you to accept the apology. No, 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 no. You didn't mean it. He didn't mean the apology. For you is not to enter into his heart. Ibn Qayyim, he says, Whoever does something wrong to you, and then he comes to apologize. Being humble necessitates you to what? Accept it. Huh? And then you leave his heart to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He may not be genuine. However, that's not for you to judge. That's not for you to judge. For you is to just accept it and take things at face value as they say. طيب, Jamil. How many did I mention? I mentioned three things, right? No. Taib. Also from a tawadu is, guys, to recognize the virtue of others, especially your aqran, those who are maybe in competition with you, your classmates, which can be so, so difficult. Sometimes a brother is mentioned and he's being praised, sah? He's being praised. He may be a da'i and another da'i hears this and then you find, huh? Oh. He can't hear someone else being praised in front of him. Well, I used to hear sometimes, huh? a brother would be mentioned. Huh? And then there's some guys who are suffering from envy. In order to put him down, they would say things like, Oh, that guy just memorizes, man. All he does is memorize. He's looking for something to say about him. But what did he say? Oh, that guy, all he does is memorize. Hey, well, is this, is, is this a praise or is this an insult? He wanted to insult him, he ended up what? Imam al-Dhahbi, rahimahullah ta'ala, he mentioned in, in, in his kitab, Asir Alam al-Nubala, Anabi Razin, he said, it was said to Al-Abbas, the uncle of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, who is older? You are the Prophet Look what his response was. Because he's older. But I was born before him. Because he's older, but I was born before him. Because of course, he means by this, he's akbar, more knowledge, 
a revelation comes on him, uh, comes down upon him. Huh? Even though the Arabs guys are known to be very boastful. Huh? They're known to be very boastful. And they really, really struggle. Not all of Arabs, in al-Rahimah. You find this more uh, you know, uh, widespread in certain communities that might get done over for making a racial comment like that. You know, it's, and I say this, I'm Yemeni, you know, guys, uh, time. Sometimes what happens in the masajid, I'm not going to go into that, but I can, huh? Certain brothers, wallahi, just for being Somali or just being black, they walked into an Arab masjid, huh? It's fawdha. Allahumstan. One time purposefully, because there's this imam who's very close to me, and, uh, and, uh, He's originally like, uh, I don't, I don't want to give up too much information because you guys are going to know who he is. Huh? Because of the hard time the Yemenis were giving him, I just gave the khutbah talking about Atai ibn Abi Rabah, who was the black mufti of Mecca. Huh? Because of how they were treating him due to his color. Lakin khair. And how he was a sahib al-Quran, he wasn't an Arab. And because of his Quran, Allah Azza wa raised him. No matter what color you are, because of your Quran, Allah Azza wa will raise you because of that. You can be pink, you can be black, you can be yellow, whatever color you might be, Arab. Sometimes one may think just because he's an Arab, huh, that he has more of a right to the revelation. La wallah. Anta mithla sa'irin nas. You're just like everyone else. Like there was a... Uh, so many statements that I wanted to read out to you guys of how some of the examples of certain scholars, how they were humble and how they used to, you know, um, retract from their statements. And this is from humility as well. But like the time doesn't allow us. You guys mentioned that Maghrib is Mata? 9-12. Okay. I'm going to go on for, I'm going to take one last characteristic. Type number 29 was Duqi, be somebody who is truthful. And then he goes on to say, be somebody who adorns himself with fairness and justice, and also being good, and also be somebody who pardons others. Be the bigger man. Be the bigger man. Abu Bakr forgave his cousin, who he used to give money to. He didn't have any money when he migrated to Mecca. And his own cousin participated with the hypocrites when they spread the slander about Aisha that she committed zina when she didn't. And then the verses came down in Surah An-Nur to free her from this allegation. And he was from those who were part of the allegation. Abu Bakr initially said, I'm going to stop giving him money. But the verse came down and he forgave him. Turn the page and forgive. Don't you want Allah Azza wa Jalla to forgive you? If we want Allah to forgive us, we have to be individuals who are ready to forgive others. Irhamu turhamu igfiru yughfar lakum. Again, like before, treat the people how you like to be treated. That's what we mentioned as the definition of having good etiquette, right? So the Messenger here is saying, have mercy upon the people, Allah will have mercy upon you. Forgive them and Allah will forgive you. Walwafai wal itqani, be someone who fulfills his promises. Imam Ahmad, he was asked, 
كيف تعرف الكذابين؟ How do you know if someone's an excessive, compulsive liar? He said, بخلف المواعيد Because he always breaks his promises He always breaks his promises والإتقاني Be somebody when you do a particular action Do it with huh? Try to master it Don't just be someone who does An action half-heartedly Allah loves you that when you do an act that you do it with ihsan, that you do it properly, that you master it. Naam. Khalas, we'll stop there inshaAllah ta'ala. And then after Maghrib, we'll storm through the remaining bidnillah ta'ala. الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا إن شاء الله تعالى brothers and sisters I have the uh, an obligation in fact to finish this uh, منظومة um, إن شاء الله تعالى we're going to finish بإذن الله the latest latest 10.15 إن شاء الله yeah? I might go over by 15 minutes I think they've uh, they've just told me now that uh, Isha is at 10:30, and um, hopefully you won't go up to Isha, and we're gonna finish this bi'idnillahi ta'ala. Type and uh, for the remaining, what I'm gonna try and do, I'm just gonna try and skim through most of it, and I'm gonna be speaking very quickly, guys. Huh? Most of it, I've not even been using my notes. Uh, if I use my notes, I know I'm just gonna be like, Azhar is laughing because he's got all the notes on his phone. Huh? And it's a lot of notes. Khair, uh, inshallah ta'ala. So I'm just going to try, inshallah, just stick with the wordings on the manduma. Um, and hopefully we'll get it done, bi'idhnillah ta'ala. Taib. We reached the point where he says, Sunil lisana wahfadil jawariha, ahibba kulla muslimin kunna siha. He says, as the when, as the 35th quality here Safeguard your tongue Safeguard your tongue Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam He said in the hadith One he may say One statement and with that statement, he enrages Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when he says this kalima, he doesn't give it a lot of concern. Sometimes we say things just for the sake of it, right? And it could be that one statement that could be the reason why one is thrown into the hellfire for how many years? 70 kharifan. 70 years. Some scholars, they mention 70 kharifan as in 70 seasons. Because of what? One statement. Because of one statement. In another hadith that speaks more about the women, um, the Messenger sallallahu wasallam, one time he said on the Eid khutbah, okay, Ya ma'ashara nisa tasaddaqna fa'inni ra'aytu kunna akthara ahli nar. He instructed them to give the sadaqah. Because he saw that in the hellfire the majority of them were women. So the companions, the female companions, they ask, Ya Rasulullah, why? What is the reason? He says, تُكْثِرْنَ اللَّعْنَ وَتَكْفُرْنَ الْعَشِيرِ Huh? What does that mean? 
You are individuals who are excessively cursing. You always curse. And also you are ungrateful to the husband. لو أحسنت إلى إحداهن الدهر ثم رأت منك شيئا قالت ما رأيت منك خير قط. If you were to be good to her for the whole year, huh? And then she sees one thing, she says, I haven't seen any good from you. ما رأيت منك خير قط. Right? I always used to think, Subhanallah. Looking at this hadith, Messiah is saying that they're very ungrateful to the husbands, right? Because of statements as such. A lot of the time, guys, they don't mean it. Just a piece of advice. Huh? A lot of the time, they don't mean it. Those who are planning to get married, don't divorce your wife because she says a statement as such. Huh? A lot of the time, she doesn't mean it. But does that give her the justification to speak like that? طبعاً لا. ما رأيت منك خيراً قط نكرت في سياق النبي تفيد العموم. I haven't seen any good from you. Because this indefinite here, khayran, has been preceded with a negation which makes it general. 20 years of marriage and then she utters on the 20th year, I haven't seen any good from you. How does it even make sense? And a statement like that, unfortunately, especially, you know, my sisters, I really want you guys to think about this. That could be the reason why a woman is thrown into the hellfire. Arafat. And you have the other hadith that I mentioned. Because of one statement, one is chucked into the hellfire for how many years? 70 years. Shufta khattar al-lisan. Can you see now the danger of the tongue? This is why they say, and even Nuqayim rahimahullah ta'ala, he mentions this in his kitab al-wab al-sayyib when he speaks about the benefits of remembrance. Okay? They make statements such as, this is not Ibn al-Qayyim, I'm going to mention what Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala mentions. Right? That it's impossible for one to backbite or to misuse his tongue if he's always what? Keeping it moist with the remembrance of Allah Azza wa Jalla. If one is always doing dhikr, is his tongue going to find time to swear? Is his tongue going to find time to backbite or stand up or to uh, speak ill about the others? Of course not. Right? Ibn Qayyim ta'ala, and I'm just paraphrasing here, he says, of course, when your tongue is now occupied with the remembrance of Allah Azza wa Jalla and it's moist with it, khalas, it's not going to uh, be using, or you're not going to be using your tongue for speaking ill of others, or backbiting, or doing haram with it, namim, and so on and so forth. وَهَذَا مِنْ فَضَائِلِ الذِّكْرِ He mentions from the virtues of, of, uh, of the dhikr. طيب. وَحْفَظِ الْجَوَارِحَا And also safeguard your, your body parts. يَوْمَ تَشْهَدُ عَلَيْهِمْ أَلْسِنَتْهُمْ وَأَيْدِيهِمْ وَأَرْجُلُهُمْ بِمَا كَانُوا يَعْمَلُونَ The day when your body parts are going to what? Testify against you. The tongues, your hands, and your feet. Your feet is going to testify, he took me to the club. Your hands are going to testify, he used me to touch haram. Whether it was you touching the alcohol, whether it was you touching a woman that is not lawful for you, the tongue is going to testify. He used me to speak to those who are not halal for me. I used my tongue to sway women, so on and so forth. And then he says, love every Muslim. And be someone who is a nasih, someone who advises. 
be someone who what advises. Jalib ibn Abdullah radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he said, Bayana Rasulullah We gave our oath of allegiance to the Prophet sallallahu to listen and obey and to also advise. To also advise. A true friend, if you look at the term Sadiq, do you guys know what Sadiq means? Sadiq, what does Sadiq mean in Arabic? He's a friend. You find people saying, Hada Sadiqi. It's one of the first things that you study in the Arabic language. You know what the ulama say? That this person is not a sadiq because these root letters here, he comes from what? Truthful. Sadaqa. These are the root letters. Wadih. He can't be a true friend except if he's truthful with you. Yani he advises you when you need to be advised. He's not going to just watch you doing haram. Wallahi, the guy watches you do haram or encourage you, this guy's not a friend. Because he's not a sadiq, a shakhs alladhi yasduqu ma'ak. Wadih, guys? So this word now, sadiq, or sadiq, that we say, hada sadiqi, in Arabic, they say, this is my friend. Friend is translated as sadiq. The root letters are what? Sidq, someone who's truthful with you. And if he's not advising you, this guy's not a friend. He's fake. Also from the fiqh, the fiqh guys, huh, of advising, is something that Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu ta'ala anhu mentioned. When you're in a position of authority, you need to really take this into consideration. If you want the people to keep taking from you, sometimes you have to do something called taghafl. You can't just be like, you know, they call them the, uh, what do they call them? The haram police. Huh? The haram police, huh? Yani someone who's just always what? Uh, on your neck. But they use this for a... Uh, and I guide them. They use it in a very wrong way. Um, you can't just be someone who's always what? Criticizing, pulling people out. Uh, and what they do. You have to know the times to advise. And sometimes you have to deal with the issues that are what? More greater than the trivial ones that they are involved in. Look what Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu ta'ala anhu says. Don't be someone who's always just, huh? How can I put this good in the English language? And it's someone who's always making or doing wrong things. Don't be someone who's always just like, huh? Don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Huh? Nagging. Nagging someone. That's the term that he used. Huh? Someone just is always in other people's case. And he chooses the times that is convenient. لا تكثر العتابة فإن العتابة يورث الضغينة والبغضة because the itab constantly doing that is going to cause that individual to dislike you if you're always just doing that نعم وكثرته من سوء الأدب and being excessive in that is not from good etiquette the قصد the intent behind advising someone is hoping inshallah that he's going to what Accept. The haq is already heavy, guys. The haq is already difficult for the people to accept. Don't make it more difficult with how you go about propagating this. And I've said this before, I think today. How you go about propagating the haq and the methods that you use is very, very important. Now, especially if you turn out to be someone who has students. Now, 
If just constantly on your student's case, every little thing that he does, you're getting on to him. Allah, he's going to run away. You know, then it's already tough on the nafs. So you have to be huh, very selective sometimes of how you go about changing the shortcomings that that individual might have. And then he says, تَقَبَّلِ النُّصْحَ مِنَ الثِّقَاتِ وَكُنْ مُحَافِظًا عَلَى الصَّلَاةِ He says, accept the advice مِنَ الثِّقَاتِ Those who are what? Trustworthy. Okay? You have to understand, guys, there is people when they advise you who want khair for you. Ibn Hibban al-Busti, rahimahullah ta'ala, is rawdhat al-Uqala. He says, خير الإخوان أشدهم مبالغة في النصيحة. The best of the brothers that you can accompany is those who go into extremes in trying to advise you. They're always there for you in that sense. Are you with me, guys? They have that care and concern. That individual is trying to advise you, Wallah, he's not against you in most cases. Naam. You have advice, you have also something called ta'yeer, where an individual, huh, he's just telling you something in order to score one over you, or to embarrass you, or to put you down. And Ibn Rajab has a risal on this. Al-farqu al-ta'yeer. However, the individual now who is advising you guys, Wallah, you read like al-khair. And he's a true brother, as I mentioned earlier. واضح guys even عمر بن الخطاب رضي الله تعالى عنه he said أحب الناس إلي من أهدى إلي عيوبه the most beloved of those to me is the one who gives me my shortcomings he comes to me and he says يا عمر you did X Y and Z oh جزاك الله خيرا because this will allow me to reflect and become what a better person right a better person a statement that really really touched me was huh that which was mentioned in the tarjama of Abdul Ghani ibn Sa'id al-Azdi. Huh? Abdul Ghani rahimahullah ta'ala, he said, لما ردت على, على أبي عبد الله الحاكم. Who's al-Hakim? Sometimes at the end of the hadith, you know how you find Rawahu al-Bukhari, Rawahu Muslim, Rawahu Dawood. There is also a compiler of a hadith called what? Abu Abdullah al-Hakim. That's why you find Rawahu al-Hakim. But he's not as known as Bukhari and Muslim. And his compilation is not as authentic as well. That's why it's not that known. Tamam? Abdul Ghani says, When I refuted Abi Abdullah al-Hakim, huh? He sent me someone to thank me for what I did for him. Wallahi. He sent me someone to thank me huh? for the refutation. Today, if someone gets refuted, his ego is going to be what? All over the place. <laughs> <laughs> and he was making dua for me. So he says about Al-Hakim, I came to know that he is a very smart and intelligent individual. And then he says also, guys, Al-Thiqat. Al-Thiqat. You don't take advice from everyone and anyone. Are you with me, guys? Seeking marriage advice from someone who has no knowledge of marriage, huh? he himself has never ever been married. Does it make sense to go and adv seek advice from this individual? 
doesn't logically make sense, right? Taking knowledge from someone who's barely ever studied. Is it logical to go and take knowledge from that individual? When you become sick, you look for a doctor, right, to seek some advice from. And not just any doctor. You try to find the best doctors around. But when it comes to knowledge, why do you go and take it from everyone and anyone? And the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a'adhan bi kathir. It is more greater. عرفتم يا أخوة إبن عبد الله مسعود رضي الله تعالى عنه يساد إن الذي يفتي الناس بكل ما يسأل لمجنون and he's the one who gives a fatwa and everything he's asked about he's majnoon he's majnoon find some individuals who are not qualified to speak يقولون عندنا this is our view this is our position he makes him Self, a person who is fit to answer these questions or to deal with certain issues. It reminds me of a line of poetry by Ibn Daqiq al-Eid. He said, يَقُولُونَ هَذَا جَائِزٌ عِنْدَنَا فَمَنْ أَنْتُمْ حَتَّى يَكُونُ لَكُمْ عِنْدُ Some of these individuals, they claim, huh? this is permissible, we see it to be permissible, we see it to be correct. Who are you guys to even have a position? Who? Today, if someone spoke about the, uh, the vaccine, huh? was not qualified. I know there's been a lot of, mashallah, yani, kalam. Huh? There's been a lot of kalam with regards to coronavirus as well. Huh? YouTube, Twitter, they felt the need to start censoring their social media platforms because of how many people started speaking. Since when did you have a qualification in medicine? Now everyone's speaking. The point is, guys, that when it comes to taking advice, you only take it from his people. Be someone who um, remains consistent on his salah. Here he mentions salah. There's a possibility that he's referring to the obligatory salawat. And there's an ihtimal, there's a possibility he's referring to the sunnah prayers. And it's most likely that he's referring to the Sunnah prayers because if you're not coming with your obligatory prayers, your religion's on the line. Okay? Your religion's on the line. Imam Ahmed Ta'ala seen that individual to be a non-Muslim, a kafir, the one who doesn't pray. He saw no difference between Bob and also Muhammad who doesn't pray. Jane and also Fatima who doesn't pray. That's maybe the best way to put it. The Sahaba, if they saw somebody not wearing hijab, they said, oh, maybe she's new to Islam. If they saw someone not fasting, oh, maybe he's sick. If they saw someone who wasn't paying the zakah, going out for hajj, oh, maybe he doesn't have the money. However, when it came to the salah, there was no excuses. There was no excuses. Because if you can't pray standing up, you have to pray. Sitting down. You can't pray sitting down, you have to pray. Lying down. You're never ever excused. And as Abdullah ibn Shaykh al-Uqayli mentioned, They never used to see an action that was abandoned to be kufr other than salah. And the Prophet said, The difference between us and them is the salah. Whoever leaves of the salah, he has committed kufr. So now what he's referring to, and that's most likely is, huh? your supererogatory, your voluntary prayers. Guys, as an individual who's trying to progress and better himself, okay, 
especially a talib al-ilm, you're not like everyone else. You're not like everyone else. If most people are not doing something, it shouldn't be that, okay, I'm not going to do that as well because everyone else is not doing it. As a talib al-ilm, huh, you should be doing more than everyone else. Because you're learning and the more you increase in knowledge, huh, the more you should be increasing in what? In action. As Imam Ahmed rahimahullah ta'ala, he mentioned, Sabeelu al-ilm mithlu sabeel al-mal. Ilm is like what? Your wealth. Because the more your wealth increases, you have to what? Give zakat, sah? And when it comes to your wealth as well, uh, sorry, when it comes to your ilm, the more you have to what? Increase in action. You have to increase in action. For example, um, you wanna you, you need an answer in a, in an Islamic matter. Who are you gonna go to? Are you gonna go to a uh, engineer? No, no one's gonna go to an engineer. You go to the people of speciality. I need some medical advice. Who am I gonna go to? Am I gonna go to a sheikh? No. Ask the person of experience you go to, someone who has expertise in that field. I'm struggling here, Ibrahim. طيب. ووقتك شغله بالانتفاع والمال فاحفظه عن الضياع. And he says, your time uh, benefited with that which is, or busy it with that which is beneficial. And then don't waste your money. Don't waste the wealth that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed you with. Don't just use it on anything. Naam? Bihimmatin ta'allamil mufida wa tali'il kutbatana al-mazida. And then he says, with high aspirations, take that which is beneficial, and browse the book so you can keep on taking more and more. I'm going to tell you guys something that Sheikh Saleh Sindhi one time was one of the teachers in the Prophet's Masjid. If you want to become a serious student of knowledge, then you must do three things. Then you must do three things. Number one, there has to be a fair portion, and this is not in order by the way, there has to be a fair portion of that which you memorize. There has to be a fair portion of knowledge that you memorize. Even Shaykh Saleh Usaymi mentioned, You must memorize. You have to memorize. Whoever thinks he's going to attain knowledge without memorizing, this person is chasing the impossible. Even Ibn Uthaymin. You guys know Ibn Uthaymin? Huh? Everyone knows Ibn Uthaymin, right? This is after years of tajruba. Uh, after years of trying and, you know, and taking knowledge and teaching. You know what he said, guys? حَفِظْنَا قَلِيلًا وَقَرَأْنَا كَثِيرًا we memorized a little and we read a lot. فَانْتَفَعْنَا بِمَا حَفِظْنَا أَكْثَرْ مِنْ انْتِفَاعِنَا بِمَا قَرَأْنَا We benefited more from that which we memorized 
and that which we read. And he himself is saying that I only memorized a little, and I what? We read a lot. Uthimin rahimahullah ta'ala, he memorized Umnat al-Hakam, Zad al-Mustaqni' and also Al-Fiyut al-Mani. That's, if a talib al-ilm manages to get that today, Allahumma barik. Huh? But then he's still saying, oh, we only memorize a little bit. And we benefited more from that which we memorized than that which we used to read so much. Wadih? Jameel. That's number one. Number two, there has to be a fair share of reading as well. Okay, so first we spoke about there has to be a fair share of memorization that you do, also a fair share of that which you read. Naam? And number three, number three guys, there has to be a fair share of you attending classes from the scholars. If you can't find the scholars, those who studied with these scholars. Wadih. So he says here, Huh? Read the books, browse the books, so you can get more. So you can get more. And then he says, وَاحْتَرِمِ الْكِتَابَ وَالْمُعَلِّمَا وَأَكْرِمَنَّ مِسْتَطَعْتَ الْعُلَمَاءِ says, have respect for the kitab. And also the teacher, al-mu'allima. وَأَكْرِمَنَّ مِسْتَطَعْتَ الْعُلَمَاءِ And try to honor the scholars as much as you can. The book that you carry, don't turn it into a newspaper. Meaning, you leave it abandoned on the floor. And the more you respect that knowledge, guys, the more the knowledge will become glorified in your heart. As some of the scholars they mentioned, huh? With etiquette, that's how you're going to understand knowledge. Sometimes one may say, okay, I've tried, I've attended classes and whatever have you. But I just still don't seem to be understanding. You may need to ask yourself, okay, do I have the correct etiquette when it comes to knowledge? Studying engineering is not like studying what? Ilm. Ilm is sacred. And it has a completely different dynamic. Wadih. So leaving the book that you study, you know, putting it on the, on the floor and abandoning it and not respecting it, this is not appropriate. Naam. And also honor the scholars. Do not be someone who insults the scholars. Do not be somebody who uh, doesn't give them their due right. Earlier we spoke about a hadith that I mentioned, right? Part of you glorifying Allah is what? To respect who? And remember, we mentioned two individuals. Uh, the man who has what? Gray hairs. What was the second individual? Hamil al-Qur'an. The one who is carrying the Qur'an. This individual is carrying the Qur'an. And then he also was, he has memorized the hadith. Huh? And he's memorized so much poetry and he's a scholar who teaches. And a young individual to just come and just throw him under the bus. I remember something that Shaykh Abdul Zaq al-Badr rahimahullah ta'ala mentioned. You know, with regards to the hadith, how you find that uh, the animals and even the uh, the hoot, the fish inside of the sea, they seek forgiveness for the scholar. Uh, it says you have the animals now seeking forgiveness for the scholar and you have some people insulting the scholars. Haraft. 
and then he says أقبل وأنصطن للمحدث وقدم الأكبر في التحدث when you're sitting in front of your teacher okay sit accordingly huh sit accordingly even the way you sit this is mentioned in the books of etiquette واضح there is a way to sit in front of the teacher focused on him okay not with your feet out turning to him or you're sitting in the class where huh? you're eating or you're chewing or you're drinking Naam. all of this is from it's not from the etiquette of a sitting Naam. and it says وَأَنْصِطَنَّ لِلْمُحَدِّثِ and remain quiet when the teacher is speaking he's mentioning a hadith Speech of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. What does Allah azza wa jal say in the Quran? Ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu. La tarfa'a aswatakum fawqa sawtin nabi. Don't raise your voice over the voice of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Wa la tajharu lahu bil qawli kajari ba'dikum li ba'din an tahbata a'malukum antum la tashurun. And this could lead to one's actions becoming what? Fruitless. Nullified. Wadih. Because of one's bad etiquette in the sitting. عرفتم يا اخوة المهم الشيخ محمد مختار شنقيت one time was saying this because it's fair for this individual who sits in a class and he doesn't have the correct etiquettes let alone him being deprived of knowledge that his righteous actions are going to be what? becoming nullified all the hard work imagine your Ramadan you come on your Qiyamah your Ramadan has gone down the drain because of you having bad etiquettes in a particular sitting And it says, وَقَدِّمِ الْأَكْبَرَ فِي التَّحَدُّثِ Always allow the one who's older to go first when it comes to speaking. You guys are having a discussion, let the older person go first. Speak with good or remain silent. And he's referring to the hadith when the Prophet Whoever believes in Allah in the last day, let him either say good huh? or then remain silent. Naam. Imam Shaykh Ibn Athim, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, in his explanation of Arba'in Nawi, I believe, he mentions uh, something along the lines that if there is something that you're going to say, but, you know, it's not necessarily something beneficial. Huh? It's not something that is beneficial. لَيْسَ فِي مَصْرَحَةٌ رَعْدَ النَّوْنِ مَسَيَتٌ Naam. وَقَبْلَ نَخْلِ وَقَبْلَ نَقْلِ خَبَرٍ before you transfer or you transmit information, then what? Verify it. Verify it. Don't be ujul. As we mentioned earlier, Sayyidina Abdullah Mas'ud, don't be individuals who are hasty. Whenever they hear something, they want to go and announce it. Naam. And as Allah Azza wa Jalla says, Ya Adina Amin, Jaakum Fasikum Binabayin Fata, Thabbatu. Okay, another riwaya. Fatabayanu. Hafs is Fatabayanu. Fatabatu. Sorry, can you repeat the uh, first part of the line? He says, Bilkhair means good. Atta goodness or keep quiet. Wakabla nakli khabarin tathabati. And before transmitting information, verify it. 
okay? Especially in today's day and age, you know, where you have all sorts of information coming to you on WhatsApp. Huh? Double check the information before you transmit it. Huh? Okay, guys, I'm literally now translating. I'm going to cut off the fawaid. I'm just literally translating. Um, otherwise, Ibrahim is going to give me issues after. Because do the Salat al-Istikhara first. If you find yourself in a predicament or you don't know what to do, right? And Salat al-Istikhara is a very deep chapter. I'm not going to have uh, the time to go through all of this. I remember one time I gave a whole lecture on the issue of Istikhara. Whole lecture. Hmm? As it came in the hadith, I believe it's Jabna Abdullah radiallahu ta'ala and he said the Messiah used to teach us the istikhara as if it's a verse or a surah from the Quran. Naam? Wallahi guys, especially now, you know, when everything is so uncertain with the whole coronavirus, it may be that one needs istikhara more than he ever needed before. You know, when you pray istikhara, and I think those who engage a lot in istikhara will testify to this. It is as if you're waiting for something to happen. Because with the istikhara, you've left the affair in the hands of Allah Azza wa Jal. It's like you're waiting for something to happen. Huh? And sometimes it doesn't happen. Then you realize later on, oh, subhanallah. Had that happened, I wouldn't have this today. And you realize that Allah Azza wa Jal has something better in store for you. إِذَا هَمَمْتَ ثُمَّ الْإِسْتِشَارَةِ when you want to do something, like even if it, you know, there's, you have to, like, uh, I'm just going to give you guys this example, right? You don't know which train is to buy. You don't know which train is to buy. I was going to say Nike, but I'm not going to say it. Huh? <laughs> whether it's Adidas or whether it is Umbro, let's just say, for example, Balenciaga. I think Umbro is out of date. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> no one wears Umbro today. Huh? Allah said. Well, I'm in the and you don't know which one to buy. Praise the Khara. You might ask me the question, I'm standing in JD, and do I start praying istikhara there? Al-ulama yaqulun, if you know you're kind of running out of time, or it happens to be at a time when you can't pray, okay, according to some of the madahib, they can't pray at certain times, نعم. what do you do? You just read the dua. You just read the dua. وَهَذَا عَيْشْ مِنْ التَّرْغِيب And this really will encourage somebody to keep doing the istikhara least كذلك Otherwise they're looking at it, oh it's a burden, I have to go find somewhere now Can't pray here, let me go outside Ah طيب وَأَتْبِعِ الْخَطَأَ بِاعْتِذَارِ وَأَتْبِعِ الْذَنْبَ بِالْإِسْتِغْفَارِ After committing a sin After committing a sin Sorry After maybe wronging someone Go and apologize Go and apologize. Again, this is in a tawadu as we spoke about previously. I believe I quoted the same Ibn al-Qayyim, right? Naam, it was Ibn al-Qayyim. This is mentioned in Madari Sarikin. Um, uh, that statement, Afwan, was, uh, sorry, I'm rushing now, was with somebody coming and admitting his mistakes. As for you, now this is speaking about what? You... Huh? Apologizing. You're apologizing after having wronged somebody. 
Naam. This is again from the lofty mannerism. Putting your ego to the side and just apologizing uh, and just burying everything and keeping it moving. Because what will that do? That will remove any what? Huh? Enmity in that individual's heart has been wronged. You wouldn't want to go to sleep uh, holding a grudge in your heart, then don't be the reason why other people might go to sleep holding a grudge and you know that they're missing out on such a great virtue by doing so. And again, it goes back to what we mentioned right at the beginning. The definition of an adab, right? Which is huh? treat the people the same way you like to be treated. And remember what goes around comes around. After you commit a sin, then follow it up with seeking forgiveness. Spread the salams to those that you know and those that you don't. You may ask the question, should I give salams to somebody who I know is not going to return the salams? Huh? Happens a lot in the universities without going into too much detail. Huh? Those who know, know. Those who don't, don't ask. Huh? Because of you being a, uh, uh, having a particular view, people won't give salams to you. Huh? Allah Ustad. I remember, subhanAllah, I was walking in university and I was with a brother who I benefited immensely from in fiqh. And he said to me, Abu Taymiyyah, stop humiliating yourself. Giving salams to these guys, you know they're not going to return the salams. Allah, I'm not going to lie to you. It did, really, you know, it did hit me what he said to me. And on that very day, I came across a statement of Ibn Uthaymin where he was being asked a question. Huh? Should we give salams to those who we know are not going to return the salams? He goes, This is from ignorance. Saying that you shouldn't, this is from ignorance. Huh? But rather you should still give the salams hoping perhaps that is going to what? Soften up his heart. What did the Messenger say? ألا أدلكم على عمل إذا عملتموه تحاببتم أفشوا السلام بينكم. Shall I tell you of something that if you were to engage in it, huh? it will cause you to love one another? What was that? Spreading the salams. Allah Subhanallah, when them brothers calmed down a little bit later on down the line, I was one of the first people that they came and gave a salam to. And I thought, Subhanallah, look at the hadith. Maybe now they remember this guy was giving us salams all of these times and we was ignoring him. And also only befriend those who are good. I believe it's Abi Dhar radiallahu ta'ala anhu. He said, Do not befriend except those are going to aid you in the dhikr of Allah Azza wa That's really profound if you think about it. There's some individuals who are not going to tell you to do haram, but they're just like, they're just there. Sah? He's saying to you, only befriend those who are going to aid and assist you in the dhikr of Allah Azza wa Jal. لا تؤذي إنسانا أخص الجارة Do not harm an insan, and I specifically intend here, or I should I say, أخص الجارة, I specifically say to you also the jar, the neighbor. This is Allah Alayhi Wasallam. He said, Wallahi la tu'minu. Wallahi la tu'minu. Wallahi la tu'minu. This is three times. You won't be a true believer. You won't be a true believer. You won't be a true believer. Who? Man la ya'manu jaruhu bawaiqah. The one who his neighbors are not safe from his harm. 
the Jar guys, the, the neighbor has a very big position in the religion of Islam. And again, like each point, guys, I can go into so many, but ما عندنا وقت. وراعي آداب بيوت الناس كغضي طرف كغضي طرف وكالاستئناس. Also, take upon yourself the etiquette of the home. Like for example, lowering your gaze and also seeking permission upon entering. Don't just like storm into people's homes. Huh? Knock and then stand where? Stand either on the left or on the right. You should try to stand like when they open the door, you won't see straight away what's inside of the house. Okay? Also, not looking into people's homes. Some people, mashallah, they walk people's homes and he's, huh? Let's see what's happening there. Nah. In these kind of cases, you need to what? Lower your gaze. The Messenger said, if you were to now what peek into someone's home and he takes stones and he throws it in your eyes and he causes your eyeball to come out, huh? There will be no sin upon him. That's what the Messenger said. You're violating his privacy. And today, what do people do as pranks? They record people in their homes. Sah? Okay. Knock three times. It doesn't answer. Khalas. Don't just stand there and keep knocking on somebody's house. Are you with me, guys? Now, the first knock is, if I remember, the first knock, okay. You find that the family at home, they get together, they. Nah, khalas. I forget what I was going to say. Uh, the point of the matter is, you're knocking on someone's door after three knocks, خلاص. The adab, the etiquette is that you leave. واضح? You don't just stand there and keep knocking. طيب, what about when it comes to the phones? Some people, mashallah, huh? they blast your phone because they have a question. And they call you at 2 a.m. in the morning. And they keep knocking. Huh? You phone someone three times, خلاص. That's it. The same etiquette are applied here as well. Haraft. And we see from some of our mashayikh advice this. No. You wake up and you got uh, uh, 20, 30 missed calls from the same man. Allah Ustaz. And then he says, وَأَكْرِمِ الضَّيْفَ وَكُنْ مُبْتَسِمًا You've got a little bit left, guys. Maybe three, four, or five more lines. Naam. Honor your guest. Honor your guest. The first day is wajib. It is mandatory. The second and third day is sunnah. Anything after that is what? You? Huh? It's like you're giving charity. Wadih? Taib. Also, the Messenger said with regards to the Dhaif, the hadith was, um, um, in English, I'm going to mention in English because I can't remember the Arabic at this moment in time. Um, um, 
نعم now one shouldn't okay like I really don't want to misquote the Prophet so I'm gonna to have to go back onto my notes okay uh, just one second guys One second, guys. Yeah, let me just quickly open this up. This important dimension. Now, Nahana Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam Okay. Sometimes one feels the need. Okay, I have to literally spend everything that I have to an extent where. That leaves you with absolutely nothing or you go and borrow money from people and you don't necessarily have the ends means to actually you know look after this guest prophet وسلم, he prohibited this i remember a brother and i had to advise him with regards to this right he sometimes gets guests coming over uh, to his room in medina to such an extent he feels the need okay i'm gonna go out my way to honor my guests طيب. what happens after that for the rest of the month, he is asking brothers, can you take me out to go eat? And he had the, had the Nabi وسلم, he didn't tell you to do this. You're going to put yourself in a position now where you're left with no money. And you're going to be asking brothers. So much so that a brother came up to me and said, Oh, I can chat to this brother like, oh, he, I just realized he only accompanies me because he wants me to feed him. But there's a balance when it comes to this. There's a balance when it comes to this. And also the Messiah then talked about this individual who is a guest, okay? Saying that he shouldn't remain in that individual, the host's home, so much so that he causes him to sin. And he, he leaves him in a position where he has nothing to feed him with. No? And again, there's, there's a lot of points that can be mentioned with regards to this. وَكُنْ be somebody who smiles. Do not belittle any good deed, even if it means meeting your brother with a smiling face. You smiling in your brother's face is what? Sadaqa. Age your brother. Which basically means, um, maybe the best way to put this in English is, Huh? Who can help me out here? Sometimes my English goes missing when I'm out of the country. Al-Ithar, huh? bimana, for example, um, sometimes you give up. Huh? Oh, there's a word that I always use the gigas. Huh? Maybe we need to bring up Sheikh Bilal who's sitting upstairs. Huh? Can help him with English. Huh? No, no, not tanazul. For example, let me give you guys an example, right? Um, putting others basically first before you. Selflessness. Selflessness, I think that's the word for it, right? Jameel. I'm going to ask you guys a question. Sometimes you find that there's a gap huh, in the front row. And then you're sitting in that, that guy had to go for wudu. Huh? And then there is two people that are looking at one another. Oh no, tfaddal, here you take the front row. No. Take Should you be selfless no. 
in this situation? لماذا? Huh? Depends, okay. Jamil. The poet he says, وَيُكْرَهُ الْإِثَارُ فِي فِعْلِ الْقُرَبِ وَإِنْ يَكُنْ فِي غَيْرِهَا فَوَحَبِ It is disliked to be selfless. Jazakallah khair for that word, by the way. Huh? To be selfless when it comes to what? Doing acts of worship of this kind. But in anything other than that, huh? for example, you guys arrive at someone's house and then there's a comfortable bed. Huh? In this kind of in situation, what do you do? And you find someone, you know, Akhi, Wallah, you take it. Labas. Huh? However, if it's now the front row, la 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 la, no rahma, we're going to go straight into there. عرفت طيب أن كل ما يسوء كن عفيفا حافظ على الصحة كن نظيفا كل ما يسوء كن عفيفا and then he goes on to say be somebody who is what عفيف and again there's a number of things that can be mentioned with regards to العفة okay one of the things I'm going to mention is or should I say two Ifa can be translated as being what? Chaste. Wadih. It can also be someone who, maybe the best way to put it is, he doesn't go out asking others to do things for him. Wadih. Like he might be in need sometimes, but he still won't go out and ask others. Araft. Yaktifi bima indahu. Wadih. But like I said, this is a very deep topic. Hafid ala sihati kun nadifa. And then he says, look after your health. And be someone who's clean. Again, when it comes to your sihha, guys, you'll only realize how dear it is to you once you're about to lose it. And be somebody who's clean. Al-Islam, you find, it calls to what? Being clean. Even the wudu that we do. I remember I read an article right at the beginning of the corona saying that the Muslims or those who pray are less likely to be afflicted. Lej. Huh. They wash their hands all the time. Huh? You know when the memes were going around, I remember my dad sent me a video of, uh, huh? of someone who had a little safe and he had a toilet roll in there. Allah <laughs> 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 huh? Ustad. Like, they, they don't clean themselves in apparently. Huh? But the Muslims, mashallah, they clean themselves properly. Huh? They wash themselves all the time. Islam is one of the clean, uh, yani, it's a religion that keeps you clean. حافظ على الذكار في الصباح وفي المساء تحظى بالفلاح. And he advises you to protect yourself with the adhkar, the morning and also the evening adhkar. And he says تحظى بالفلاح. This will cause you now to attain success. نعم. With the adhkar you're going to protect yourself from evil eye, from jinn possession and so on and so forth. إذا عطست فحمدن الله وشمتا من حمد الإله. When you sneeze, then say what? Alhamdulillah. Huh? And that individual now who sneezed should say what? Yarhamukallah. And then what do you say? Yahdikumullah yasabarikum. Did I say in the correct order? Huh? Tayyip. Ala al-yameeni tahiran nambakira wa kun li adhkari al-manami dhakira. Sleep on your right. While also making wudu, yani in tahara, and try to sleep early. Why should you sleep early? 
in order to wake up for? Huh? Qiyamul Layl. And also, of course, Fajr. However, if you come with your Sunan, normally, you find that this is going to what? Huh? Aid you with your wajib. It's going to protect your wajib. Because you're what? Waking up early for the night prayer. And the night prayer comes before the Fajr prayer. Likewise, if you always go early to the masjid, this is going to aid and assist your wajibat. Naam? Are you with me, guys? Like praying in the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and so on and so forth. And also when it comes to the adhkar of the, your, your, your adhkar when sleeping, uh, try to remember that. He says, كُنْ ذَاكِرَا أو وَكُنْ لِأَذْكَارِ الْمَنَامِ ذَاكِرَا بِمَا يَلِيكُلْ بِالْيَمِينِ سَمِّي فِي أَوَّلٍ ثُمَّ حَمَدًا فِي الْخَتْمِ Eat that which is in front of you. Eat with your right hand. And then mention the name of Allah Azza wa Jal. Say, Bismillah. في أول at the beginning and then say الحمد لله الذي أطعمني وسقاني ورزقني من غير حول مني ولا قوة ذا which would say right the end يعني praise Allah سبحانه وتعالى and end أحمده جل مصليا على نبينا يا رب نظمي فقبلا so he then says I do hamd of Allah سبحانه وتعالى and also I send my salah upon the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم يا رب نظمي فقبلا Okay, Ya Rabbi Nazmi Faqbala. He asks Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept his nazm from him. And to conclude, guys, I normally do this uh, every time I finish with a class. I just would like to take out the moment to uh, maybe just thank my teachers, those who taught me. Um, you know, as the poet he mentions. One second, guys, yeah. Uh, just give me a couple of minutes, I'm about to finish now, okay? I'll call you. I'm in the middle of the class. Yeah, yeah, I just got a couple of minutes left, okay? Yeah. As the poet he mentions, إذا أفادك إنسان بفائدة من العلوم فلازم شكره أبدا وقل فلان جزاه الله صالحة أفادنيها وألقي الكبر والحسد. If anyone benefits you with a benefit, huh? فلازم شكره be someone who is thankful فلان say so and so he benefited me and get rid of your hasad huh? get rid of your hasad and the arrogance that you might have sometimes a classmate he benefits you someone who is one of your peers and it can be very difficult to say oh, it was my classmate who benefited me ولكن من التواضع أن الإنسان ينسب الفضل إلى أهله that he attributes the virtues back to its people واضح Look at Imam Sa'di rahimahullah ta'ala in his poetry. Okay. He could have easily attributed to himself. When having put together the Islamic legal maxims in his qawaid al fiqhiyya in the poetry that he has, he says, وَهَذِي قَوَاعِدُ نَظَمْتُهَا مِنْ كُتْبِ أَهْلِ الْعِلْمِ قَدْ حَصَّلْتُهَا These lines of poetry that I put together, I found these principles where? From the books of the people of knowledge. جَزَاهُمُ الْمَوْلَى عَظِيمَ الْأَجْرِ وَالْعَفْوَ مَعَ غُفْرَانِهِ وَالْبِرِّ and they ask Allah to reward them uh, uh, with goodness, نعم, making dua for them. And then you have another lines of poetry that ask Allah as well to protect all of us from. Okay? Okay? 
I teach him archery every single day. And in the moment when his forearm becomes strong, the first people, person he shoots at is who? The one that taught him. Huh? Every day I teach him how to put lines of poetry together. And the first person that he disses when putting the lines of poetry together is who? His teacher. Now you have diss tracks here, right? People do diss tracks, right? They, they diss one another. Back in the day, guys, they had what? Poetry where they would uh, throw at each other's families. They would make a couple of lines of poetry insulting the whole tribe. Ashayid bin Hadil Kalam is um, uh, that I personally, like every time I teach a class, whether it's fiqh, at the end, I think it's very important to point this out um, that whatever I told you guys, guys, whatever I told you guys, uh, is from my teachers, uh, the likes of Sheikh Salih Sindi, Sheikh Amir, Bajid Hafidullah Ta'ala, Sheikh Salih Al Usaymi, and other than them as well. And I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to place this on the scale of good deeds. I really apologize for just storming through the last page. Uh, I haven't given it its due right. However, I was told to finish it. And I really hope, inshallah, that I translated at least to you guys everything on the page as much as I could. Uh, but perhaps Allah Azza wa Jal is going to make it easy for me to video record an explanation in more detail. I'll be uploaded onto YouTube in the near future. I started a couple of times, but then, Qadarallah um, ma It just kept on stopping uh, because of different things that were happening. Jazakumullah khairan, guys, for attending uh, in all of these numbers. May Allah Azza wa Jal accept it from you guys. And you guys sitting, you know, being patient, you know, it's not an easy thing to do. So may Allah Azza wa Jal give you guys immense reward for that. And Barakallah Fikum, Ahsanlah Ilaykum, Subhanakallah, Bihamdik, Shadwan Lai Lahila Ant, Astaghfiruka, Watubi Lake, and we're going to stop there with the Lai Tala. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.